All right, quickly. Let's open our Bible to the book of Colossians again. Colossians chapter 1. Well, let's read from verse 12 again. And then we'll read all the way to verse 20. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 12. This is the declaring of the glory of the Lord this morning. And the glory of the Son. It says, Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish out of the way. By doing this this morning, we are fulfilling that word. It said, Kiss the Son. Amen? Amen. All right. Are you there? From verse 12. One, two, let's go. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, without thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Amen? Amen. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Amen. And we are being made in his own image. Amen. Uh-huh. Is that not true? We are being formed, fashioned into the exact image of the Son. And that's the reason why we're here again this morning. Remember, we said in the garden, the Lord used to come in the cool of the day to interact with Adam. Remember that? What was the purpose? So that by that interaction, he's transferring the true likeness of himself into Adam. The first Adam that was made was a shell, was a case, was a mold for the real thing that God wanted to make. The second man is not an afterthought. The second man was not, did not come so as to remedy a problem. It was not an emergency solution. He was the original intention. I hope you're getting my point. A time will have come if Adam would have sat down there regularly and interacted with the Lord. We believe it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the pre-incarnate self. If he would have done that, a time will have come. He will have matured to a level that the Lord will have said to him, now you can eat of the tree of life and live forever. I hope you're getting my point. When we give our lives to Christ, what Jesus did at the beginning of each new creation is to breathe upon us. <sighs> that same breath, you know, this time around, is a new life. It's a new life. At the beginning, he breathed into the man and he became a living soul. Now, as a life-giving spirit, he came again. He breathed into each one of us. After resurrection, he came to the disciples where they were gathered. He said, receive holy breath. Receive holy spirit. He breathed on each one of, uh, each one of them and gave them the new life. That he died for. I hope you're getting my point. Now that you have received the new life, they received the ability. A baby born today is as much a human being as I am, as you are. But the fullness of what he or she can be is not yet manifested. So when a new believer comes into Christ, when a person comes into Christ freshly, he's but a baby in Christ. But he has a new appetite now. And if he continues to be fed, if she continues to be fed with the word of God, eventually he becomes exactly like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why you and I are here again this morning. And then one day, Jesus will appear. 
I will see him as he is, and I will become exactly like him. And that's the goal. That's the purpose. Father, we thank you for that privilege. Thank you for that calling. Thank you for that calling. In furtherance of that purpose, we have gathered again this morning. And from you, we receive insight. We receive understanding. We receive wisdom. And we declare as follows. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. Good morning, everybody. Now, where do we start from? I mean, which text of, text of scriptures do we use? That's what I mean. You want to suggest something? <laughs> okay, let's read um, well, something like what we read just now, but let's just flip over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Uh, for some time, we have been looking at the yes, faith foundations for the Christian walk. And then in the last few um, meetings, we have been looking at the matter of knowledge and growth in grace, which we said um, is very important as knowledge and the resultant growth in grace is a requirement that God has for us as believers. It says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may do what? Grow thereby. The aim is growth. When the time comes, you don't long, no longer feed on Milk alone, but you go on to strong meat. And strong meat is a natural desire after you fed on milk for a long time. You know, something happened to me years ago. I go back to some books I read long before, and I'm wondering, why was I so excited? Some of them, all right? A, a lot. I still go over them again and again, and they are good, right? I remember once, um, for a while, I was, um, I won't tell you the name of who. Some of you may be able to guess. I was just looking for who would teach me the word of God. I was just looking. So one day, I stumbled into one, something like this magazine we have here. Smaller one, just two pages. Our one is like 12, right? Yeah. Yes, 12 pages. That was four pages. Just two sheets. Four pages. And I read, I said, whoever wrote this has something to say, but there's no space. So I went to look for the church. And the first day I entered there, my father in heaven, I had some of the thickest words I ever heard in my life. I almost, no, when somebody won't fall under the power, I almost fell down from my seat. I was twisting and turning. But I remember then, that before then, Kai, the hunger in my soul, I was no longer satisfied with milk. It got to a point that if you're telling me that how to claim new shirt and new this, they are right, they are not wrong, but it was, just, it was no longer satisfying. You know, you get to a point in time that you want to know what the people see that made them willing to lay down their lives for the Lord. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. I'm talking about the, the, the strong meat that belongs onto, you know, the mature. You start asking yourself, what did people see? They must have seen something. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, you see, faith is not carelessness. 
Faith is not carelessness. Faith is not fatalism. That is, let the worst happen. What will happen? Guinea game. You know that kind of thing. Uh huh. Is that not what it means? What does Guinea game mean again? What will happen here? Why is your Nigeria the type of sitting in front? They confuse you. Because the two of them were looking more confused than me. So that's what I was wondering. You know, you look at it, it's, it's, faith is not just, um, ah, let the worst happen. No. Faith is revelation. I hope you get my point. Is understanding. Is encounter. I hope you get my point. It's something you have encountered. You know, Paul, Saul, we're calling him, he never gave his life to Christ. In quotes, like, answer an altar call. I'm not saying, I didn't say he didn't get born again, no. Of course, he was baptized, and I asked baptize him after laying hands on him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that. But I'm just saying that there's nothing like, uh, hey, Lord, I give my... He just saw Jesus, and that was it. Once he saw the Lord, he was born again. Once he saw the Lord, that was it. Before he left that place, he was born again. Say, so go, go into the city. You'll be told what to do. He immediately answered a call to ministry. He was waiting for instructions. I hope you're getting my point. What I'm going to say is that faith, that's how it is. It's what you have encountered. There's something you will encounter. eh? <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like, um, maybe like um, you had the real vision like Paul did. All right? Some people did. Or some, for me, that day I remember. <laughs> words were spoken. The words lit my heart up. Sorry, I'll get back to my message in a moment. Eh? When I see something running up and down, eh, this country, you don't know what's happening. You know, I've always been amazed. Do you know, I've never had that temptation in my life. Do you know, I've never had that temptation. I've, you know, there are temptations you have to resist. Do you follow my point? I've never had to resist that one. Never. Not for one moment. I know what some people are thinking. Eh, you didn't have problems. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't. When I see young doctors now saying that country is bad, I laugh. I know how much you get paid. I know the cost of things. Don't even talk. I know what we were like when we just left school. I know the first few years of residency till I got married. I'm not talking about two, three days. This girl met me towards the latter part of my trials and afflictions. I'm not kidding. Went to own a fridge was breakthrough. And that's not a joke. The first fridge I owned, I bought for 6,500 naira used. And that was almost half of my monthly salary. My pay that time was well like 14,000 or so. I managed to buy a fridge. I remember one day I gave a lady, one of our sisters, cold water. She was like, where did you get it from? <laughs> Are you thinking, oh, let me get it. I just went in because it was an apartment. So I had to go in. The kitchen, there's it's a tiny apartment in Luth. So there's a tiny sitting area. You pass through. It's one room, actually. But they broke it with, um, it's the way they just partitioned. The wardrobe is kind of big. So it breaks the room into, that's what I married into. We lived there for, two, for about how many months? About a year before we came to Enugu. You understand? In fact, I remember when my mother-in-law came to Enugu one day. We were living in Transsekulu. She came to, uh, had a nice flat there. So when she came in, I entered the place. A nice little flat we had. He said, this is great. Consider where you are coming from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one, one tiny, it was one room, but the wardrobe was built to break that room into two. Behind is a kitchenette. Right, another door leads to a toilet and bathroom you share with your neighbor. 
And the, the, the sister was surprised. Like, ah, you have, the water was cold. Like, hey, 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 where did you get cold water from? It rained from heaven and angel brought you. are not serious. <laughs> of course, it was traumatic. I had a fridge. A fridge. So when I say young, this is my young colleague, this guy, he said, countries, I'm looking at you. What you call countries had that you couldn't buy a car or the one you didn't buy the type you liked. No, our own was I couldn't buy a refrigerator. Oh, the fridge was a short one, no? not the one that's competing with you for height. This one now your waist level. When you, have, you can sit on it. It's like okay, so how far now? You know that kind of thing. You can sit on it to just with somebody. It's that small. Oh, my wife knows the fridge. We came to Enugu with it. Yes, I remember. And that fridge worked forever. I don't know how they make fridges these days. That one, eh, I bought it used. I used it to, until I got married. We packed amongst our things, came to Enugu, used it until I dashed somebody who years later was still using it. This kind of one that the door has fallen off, the fridge is still working. <laughs> so yeah, you remember it? If I remember the guy we gave it to. Because he lived in, he lived with our, uh, the guy living downstairs. So we just, but of course at that time now we now had a tall fridge, a freezer. Just the, the guy used the fridge the last time I remembered. Sometimes life is hard, rough. I'm looking at them as, you don't understand. But the point I'm making is that, do you know, I have never been tempted seriously. I thought the only day a friend of mine spoke to me that made me feel like, an, like a wicked soul. Within an hour, the Lord had corrected my brain. Except a man loves his, hates his father and mother and brothers and sisters. He cannot be my disciple. Where am I going with the whole talk? Why was I like that? Look, look, I like a good life. I do. So don't think that uh, I was just a gluten for punishment. No. I just had this sense of destiny. I just, from time, I had this sense of calling. When I say calling, I'm not being called to preach now, but that you don't just go where you want. There's an assignment. When I was a house officer, that's the year after I left school, was when one of course, looking back now, I must have been a young preacher, but because we were younger than him, he looked like an older person, to, but he'll be in his maybe early 60s now. I was just about, you know, my early 20s, about 21 or so. When 21, 22, when the man came, 21, when he came to our church to preach. Yeah, and he spoke, on, I remember the name of the title of the message, year by year. And he told the story of Hannah and explained the difference between Elimelech and Elkanah. And how Elimelech went to look for greener pastures when God was looking for a replacement for the household of Eli. And that in each generation, there's what, there's what is paramount in the heart of God. And if you want to prosper in life, you have to focus on that. Remember, by the time the man finished, the idea of going anywhere to look for anything was wiped off our young brains. I remember the message today, called it year by year. The man, when he's preaching, for the first half of his message, you wonder where he's going to. He's very slow. He talks slowly. He's not in the, but by the time he's done, you're on your knees praying. You are repenting of all the sins of your life. You are committing your whole soul to the Lord. When he's done, you will never be the same again. Yeah, that's how I used to preach. When the man finished that day, and that was the day my life, I won't use the word changed, but I just said that was when it became consolidated in a particular direction. The man made it clear to us. Okay, that was when I said finish preaching. We wanted to start, all this preachers start me. Hey, Banky, wait, wait, wait. Did you hear what he said? 
I said, yes. Do you understand? Did you understand? I said, yes. So then sit down. So everybody was just, I just, I, I just, I was standing before. I just sat down there. Bowed my I gave the Lord thanks. They were so soaked into me. The Lord didn't want to hear a word of prayer. Just keep quiet. Just sit down there. Let it soak. I will never forget that day. I can still tell you where I was sitting in that church. What was it that he man preached? He just explained. This is a summary of it. One, your life is not random. Two, the person who owns you has a specific assignment for your life. Three, in each generation, there is something that is paramount to him. Four, if you want to prosper, locate that thing and face that direction. What am I going to emphasize? That faith is not just, it's not carelessness. It's revelation. It's when God has revealed something or himself to you. I hope you're getting my point. That's what faith is. Faith is that God has helped you to see life. Like I said, to the one walking by faith, he's, he's not walking foolishly. If faith looks foolish, it's to the person looking from outside. I hope you're getting my point. If faith looks foolish, it is to the person looking from outside. To the one walking by faith, what he is doing, looks so, to him, is so reasonable. What else will I do? I hope you're getting my point. So the individual, this is the thing to do. Even the fellow dies in the process, he dies happy that that was the right thing to do. I hope you're getting my point. It's so clear, this is the right thing. But when you're watching from outside, you say that this fellow is walking foolishly. Some will say, ah, he's just walking by faith. Those in a kind of mockery tune. No, but to the person inside, no, I'm being reasonable. What I'm doing makes sense. The kind of sense it makes is to those who have seen what I have seen. I hope you get my point. Think about the pearl of great price, which a man saw in the ground and invested his money, bought a plot of land that was not worth anything. Remember that story? A man who found a treasure buried in the earth. Maybe he stumbled into it. Maybe he had hired the land, you know, to farm something. So while trying to dig so he can plant his potatoes, he hit something. He hit it again. Ah, he dug. He kept on digging. After digging like um, 10 feet downwards, he saw the place. Ah, I knew the owner of this property is not the one that buried it there. After he bought the land the last eight years too. This thing looks like it's been buried for up to 100 years. So he covers it back, continues farming for potato. Then goes and offers the man who owns the land money. The man says, look, I'm taking five million naira. He says, oh, God. So the people say, ah, why are you five million naira for what? That thing is not even worth 1.5. Just wants to drive you away. Then the man goes to look for money and he buys it. You know, while he's doing that, you think something's wrong with him. He doesn't understand the market. He doesn't understand real estate, which we have all, all agreed is not real. <laughs> There is nothing on this earth that is real. Nothing. So he doesn't understand real estate. Then he buys a thing. And the funny thing is that he may, never, he may never tell you why he bought it. Why does he want to cause trouble with the man that sold it? You found potato for another two years. They just said that the man has bought another plot of land down the road. He has started a business, now has a fleet of buses. He's thinking about starting an airline. He said, this potato business is good. If it's not a potato business, you will soon enter into potato business. <laughs> the point I'm making is that the man is spending his money to you. 
it's foolish to him. It's just reasonable. Why? He has seen something that others have not seen. Let me pray for you this morning that God will help you see something. He will help you see the reality of his presence. Yes, he will help you see it. Like I said, so for me, it was never, people say they're running up and down looking for something. No, that temptation never stayed with me. I don't, I, I don't I, like I said, I was going to say I don't know why. I think I know why. It's the Spirit of God that filled us so much that, you know what scares people? Don't scare me, really. Say, what will happen to this country tomorrow? I say, where you are going? What will happen there tomorrow? Do you not have more faith? That's not a joke, all right? Naturally speaking now, that he's looking at natural things. Of course, this is using understanding, spiritual understanding. I have more faith in Nigeria over the next, maybe the next two generations, right? Than I have in North America, especially a country like Canada. I have more faith in a country like Nigeria than I have concerning the whole of Europe. If you ask me to make a plan for the destiny of my descendants, I'll put my bet here than in Europe. And I'm being real with you. It's because I see things. See, life is not natural. It's spiritual. So when I want to plot destinies, I look at it from the spiritual angle. I look for where there's revival. Now, see, America, you are breaking head over. Eh? When the pilgrims got there, it wasn't like this. When the early white people from Europe mostly came over there, it wasn't like this. It was a bare land. The Native Americans did not develop it. The Native Americans did not build skyscrapers. They didn't build roads. You know, you've seen them, the stories about them. That's how they were. They did not move to a land that was flowing with, with prosperity and flowing with development. You know why they went there? They were looking for freedom. They were just looking for freedom. The Christians were looking for freedom to worship. That was their primary goal. I want a place where the king will not tell me which church to attend. Because you go to England of those days, the, the churches were national. If the king was a Catholic, all of you were Catholics. If the king decided that he's kicking out the Pope's influence and starting another church, all of you belong to what we now call the, uh, the Church of England. That was just the way it was. Martin Luther couldn't just leave. You know now, you hear that uh, Pastor Kim they say when I was a redeemed pastor. Those days, it's when you stop being a redeemed pastor, you are, a redeemed, you are in the redeemed gallows. That's just the way it was. You get what I'm say? You couldn't just leave the calendar. Where are you going? Going to where? If it's now Martin Luther had the problem he had with the Catholic Church, what will happen? He will leave, go down the road, rent the hall, and start the Reformed Catholic Church. Is that not so? Yeah. And then the other church will be preaching against him. Some unfaithful priests, because they could not keep their vow of celibacy, they will abuse him from that to tomorrow. They won't do anything to him. But then, he was sentenced to death. There were people who were hunting, will find you, will kill you. He couldn't just, you know, it, it was not just about what you like, believe, what you like, don't believe, like we have now. They didn't have it. That's why the Reformation was such a great thing, because it was not only spiritual and religious, it was political. The king wrote an edict against him. Kings would denounce him to please the Pope, because the Pope was more powerful than the king. The kings had to be anointed by a high spiritual authority. So you say, you're in which church? 
So that was why many people there got tired. Because there was revival going on. They said, I beg, we are tired of this. If you go to that place, at least, if we like, we'll pray. If we like, we don't pray. And for those who don't understand, that was why the American Constitution had it written in black and white. It's in their constitution that you can't make any law to regulate religion. Religion must be separated from the civil authorities. They did not mean it the way it's being interpreted now. That you can't pray in church, in schools. That you can't pray in a public place. They just said that, look, if you go to school, any student that says he's not praying, is free not to pray. Yeah, that's what they mean. They didn't say you cannot come there to pray. Good enough, they are waking up. Many people are waking up now. They pray in schools now. They, <laughs> listen, if you don't correct your head, eh? the result of your madness will soon show. Small digression. I read some time ago. In schools in America, public schools, they are reintroducing uniforms. You see that you move, you go, they, they realize that this, this breeds lawlessness. So many schools say, hey, you come here, you wear uniform, we'll tell you what to wear. You, know, you just wear jeans and throw your pullover and come to school. Say, no. They will tell you, no tattoos until you graduate. If you die, you go and tattoo your conjunctivus. People do that. Yeah, no, people do it. This white thing around your eye, people tattoo it. Ah. Where do you live? There's one teacher, I think, in France. He tattooed the whole white of his eye. Black. So when you're looking at him, you just see two black things staring at you. So they sacked him because he's a nursery school teacher. So he sued them. I forgot what came out of it. They said, no, you can't come into school and be scaring children. <laughs> he says it's freedom. I think he lost the case. Uh, the court said, I beg, I beg. Even me, the judge, you are scaring me. Look at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> that just by the way. So that was why they wrote that law to separate the church and the state. At this day, what they meant was that the state would not tell the church what to do. That's what they just meant. They were writing, if you don't understand, you will know why they wrote it. They were writing it on the background of the European experience. Because it was not only England, the whole of Europe. They said, no, no, not like that. So if you, go, if you came to America... If you want to be an Anglican, fine. The Episcopal Church, that's what they call them in America, the Episcopals. So, if you want to be an Episcopal, mm-hmm. you want to be a Catholic, mm-hmm. you want to be a, a what do you call it, uh, Mormon, doesn't concern anybody. The church, the state cannot tell you what to do and what not to do. Many people went there looking for that freedom. They just want to wake up and worship the way they liked. Now, it wasn't easy. Many died. The first year was bloody. Cold, hunger, killed people. And because they had to break into new frontiers. You know, it's a very large country. You know that. Texas alone is almost as big as Nigeria. They are fly- Of course, it's not a straight state. Flying from New York to Houston is about 3 hours, 15 minutes. And no good to Lagos is 14 minutes. Just for you to put in perspective. If I fly straight from Lagos to Sokoto, which... Lagos is uh, southwest, right? Sokoto is north. Okay, yeah. So if I fly straight from Lagos to Meduguri, that's northeast. Yeah. Straight is about one hour, 40 minutes or so. There are sl- flights that are six hours within the United States of America. It's a large place. That's why they have, minus Alaska, they have four time zones. You have the Alaska, I think they have five. If I'm mistaken, they're in six, but not less than five. Next time zone after Nigeria is Ghana. 
Just for here to gather, the difference is one hour. Within America, it's five hours. It's a big country. Where I'm going there, so sometimes they want to move into another part. The journey to another part of the United States. Some made it during winter. Maybe they left, they were 100. They got to where they were going, there were 20 remaining. The other 80 died on the way from cold and hunger. It wasn't an easy place. Don't think they... It was not easy. But they were looking for freedom. That was why when England decided it's their territory, they wanted to make laws. Hey, give me liberty or give me death. That's what they said. No, 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 no. said, no, we won't take it here. So they said, give me liberty or give me death. So they fought the war of independence. They said, no, no. <laughs> King from England, you're not coming here to do what you did in Europe. We will not accept. And they fought it out. And I said, we will not agree. That's why they, that's that they are free spirit. The point I'm making is that they went there to look for freedom. They didn't go to look for prosperity. They were looking for freedom. That if I'm free, I can prosper. I hope you're getting my point. But let's talk, because this thing is first and foremost spiritual. The pilgrims there, the Christians, went for the freedom to worship. The Puritans. And somebody explained that capitalism is actually a Puritan doctrine. Some people look at capitalism. No, for them, capitalism is not the way you look at it, like uh, uh, you can oppress the poor. No. The aim of the, what they understand by, or what they understood by capitalism is that to whom much is given, much is expected. That when the master was going, he gave meanness. Occupy with this until I come. Different levels to different people. That you have to be free to express the gift of God in you to the maximum. So if you show yourself to be more capable than somebody else, it will give you the freedom. It won't limit what you can do. That's what they call capitalism. That was the origin. It was not the idea is not to, to kill the poor. In fact, if you read a man like Henry Ford, his own is that I can't help the poor if I'm poor too. Do you get my point? How can a poor person help a poor person? For them, the concept is that if you have the resources, if you have the ability, become rich. Then you have the means to help the poor. So people like them, they believe that no, that God has given you ability, a measure of ability. So you should be free to exercise it to the maximum. So you hear him make some of them make statements like, if you die rich, you died poorly. That the reason why God made you rich is so you can empower people. So that not when you die, you have you left $10 billion behind. No. You should have empowered people with it. But that for you to be able to empower people, you have to have freedom to display and ex- express the gift of God in you. That's what the Puritans meant as capitalism. See, if you, if you hear some people talk about faith people as if that um, we just like to laze around and believe in God. You heard me say it here many times. A lazy man doesn't have faith. Mark of faith is industry, diligence, faithfulness. That's what faith says. I'm sleeping. Everybody has gone to work by 8 o'clock. I wake up at 9.30. Now, not that I slept at 5 a.m. I slept also yesterday at 9.30. 12 hours later, I'm sitting like a hinge. Like the <laughs> Yes, in bed. I'm not walking by faith. You young people who are in school, university especially, if you see anybody saying walking by faith, he doesn't go to class, tell him that Pastor Banky said, you are not walking by faith, you are walking by foolishness. 
and that God is displeased with your lifestyle. The, the young girl that um, got the highest uh, in jam this year, not the one that's causing funny news, the real one, all right, uh, um, Kamsi. Yeah, the girl got to uh, 360. Now, you know, I just read this morning, she said that her inspiration was Ben Carson and W.F. Kumui. Yeah. So the two people that inspired her, Pastor W.F. Kumui and Ben Carson. I said, good. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. All right? Christianity doesn't allow you to be listening around. You don't know what you are doing. Christianity is a no. You will get up and believe God and do well. Do you get my point? That you will use faith. Grace is not... Please, let me explain. Please stop calling grace unmerited favor. I don't think that terminology is good for the word grace. First, it's not accurate, but it doesn't even convey the right message. Because grace, when you hear grace, I'm ready to favor me. Say, ah, I was sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. I didn't used to go anywhere. When when they say walk, I say I know they walk. Everything's by grace. <laughs> say, don't be jealous of me because I'm prospering. Grace isn't fair. Favor is not fair. Leave that nonsense. Leave that rubbish out. The meaning of the word grace in the Bible is the power of God. By grace you have been saved through faith. You know what it means? It means saving a soul is hard. It takes only God to do it. That's the meaning of grace. That is when grace enters your life. You become diligent. You become resourceful. You become, you know, faithful. One will say that grace is not fair. I hope you're getting my point. Let me just explain it now so that you will not make the mistake of thinking uh, something we mean like, for example, if they say only the children of the connected, maybe federal government apply, advertise for, for positions in a particular you know, area. So when they say, ah, okay, ah, do you know the chief of army staff? Do you know Lagbaja? Do you know Temedu? Now, if you understand what I, if you're Yoruba, you get the, the joke of what I just said. Lagbaja in Yoruba means anybody. But the current chief of army staff, his name is Lagbaja. <laughs> Anyway, so, they said, do you know Lagwaja? Do you know this person? Do you know, the, do you know the, the president, the VP? And then you say, no, I don't know any of them. But the God that I know is bigger than all of them put together. That is grace. I hope you're getting my point. Grace doesn't mean they will go there, say everybody, do tests to enter. You will get zero and you'll be the first on the list. That's not Grace. No, a lot of people think that's, they think that's what grace is. That, listen, I went for that exam. Brethren, I knew nothing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When they say two plus two, I told them it's 22. <laughs> Why? Because you put two here, you put two here. What is that? 22. Ooh, everybody celebrate. You know, we shout to celebrate. Because the congregation of morons. They call themselves my children. Doesn't like that. You know what grace is? They brought that question. I looked at it the first time. My God. I realized I didn't know it. So I closed my eyes and said, Father. Then suddenly I remembered something that one of our teachers said. That was two and a half years ago. I opened my eyes again. I realized that no. All I need to do is rearrange this and this. It becomes two simple equations. When I finish it, I can add the two together. And when I finished it, bam, I got the answer. That's grace. That is grace. It's not that grace. Eh? Ha, hey. They said two plus two. I could not know that one. I'm not walking by flesh. Oh. Listen. I said, let me tell you what God says. 
I can make an empty-headed person pass an exam. I know I can do it. But if I do it, see that you tell no man. Don't go and testify. I don't want to hear testimonies. They will think this is how I am. I'm a God of excellence. I hope you're getting my point. Please. Because I know there was a time when faith was taught as if is a shortcut to things that you can't do. No. Faith makes you able. I hope you're getting my point. Because faith is what activates grace. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, grace walking towards me did not prove vain. You know that he said that? He said, the grace walking towards me did not prove vain. How was the manifestation of the not vanity in it? He said, in that I labored more than them all. Not I. It wasn't me that was doing the labor. The grace of God in me, you saw it as a man laboring. So even though you stone me, none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life as dear unto myself. That's grace. I hope you're getting my point. So I'm not emphasize. So these men took grace to a barren land and they made it fertile. They developed the place by the grace of God, by the ability that God gives. That's what they did. And then generations later, we're now looking at this and we'll look at how beautiful a country it is. Because there's somebody built it. He built it for his descendants. Most of them did not enjoy what they labored for. I hope you hear my point. They set the stage. Their descendants came and entered into their labor. So other men labored. This one, these ones have come to enter into their labor. That's the way it works. What I'm trying to emphasize. All right? You know, I was, I was comparing some things. I see the destiny of a people in the next two generations is decided by the revival going on today. And when I see where apostasy are setting, you know what will happen within two generations. Listen to me. It is clear. It is, it is undeniable. It's certain. Except some people arise from some of these countries and pray and say like John Knox, give me Scotland or I die. And they say concerning their countries, until the revival breaks out, it is inevitable the fire of God will fall down from heaven one day and consume modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. It's inevitable. God has about four different things used to wipe people out. He can use natural disasters, which is what fire from heaven will, will be part of. He can use plagues. Wild beasts. And of course, it can turn the heart of men against each other. So that they will kill each other until nobody's left in the land. So if you find trees standing in that land, a child will be able to count them. If the child is doing everything, you can't count more than a hundred. So by the time God, God is saying that you see a large, what used to be a country, count the trees remaining. A child can number them. See, let me say something to you. It always happens. Sodom and Gomorrah cannot live beyond a few generations. The earth is not designed to contain it. See, you must understand. What happens, what we emit from our behaviors and our faith, our faithlessness and all of that, it affects the earth. <laughs> you know, I read things a bit. Anytime I read, I look in between. Say, ah, this is 
Okay, let, let me digress, small digression. You know what they call global warming? <laughs> Somebody cracked a joke for me a few days ago. Of course, they said that the, the globe is getting very warm now, all right? In the last, um, um, in the last few months, last, last one year, they've been recorded the, recording the highest temperatures ever, all right? Now, they said um, Texas is having temperatures as high as 48 degrees Celsius, all right? That, this is getting really hot, too. I made a joke to my friend who lives there. I said, better go and buy a house in Alaska so that you put one leg in Alaska. One the two of them will be mixing, so you'll be okay. <laughs> I said, do six months here, six months here to average your personal temperature. <laughs> now, this is where I'm going. <laughs> so, you know what they said? It's a sign of what? Global warming. Now, anytime they say global warming, what people don't know, they are saying. Now, this is what they mean. They I mean, it is what is called the anthropogenic global warming. That is, it's being warm because of your activities. Which, again, for those who want to know, is scientific falsehood. Is scientific falsehood. What I mean is that you hear journalists who don't know nothing about science tell you all scientists agree it's not true. It's just that there's a trick in this business. You don't publish those who don't agree. Those of you who agree, you seize the editorial positions. Because what is published is dependent on the editor. Yeah. If I edit a big medical journal, send in an article, and I don't like you, I just send it back to you. First line of editing is edit. Just look at it. This is nonsense. It throws it away. If it thinks it makes sense, then it sends to the assessors. They will now look at it critically, about three of them. And if they all agree that it should be published, two of them agree it should be published, then he releases it. But if you don't please the editor... Power lies with the editor. So if you say what he doesn't agree with, eh, ah, Chooks, you know now. You don't look at it. He said this has been debunked seven years ago. It's a lie. Just send it back to you. Now, when you have editors who all agree, and then again, money is important. There's what you publish in a journal. The main financier will say he's not sending you money again. Charles Towns wrote an article on the convergence of science and religion. Published in the university journal, their number one financier said if they publish that nonsense again, he's withdrawing his funding. A Nobel Prize winner, a man who won a Nobel Prize, wrote an article, yet a bloody businessman said if you publish that nonsense again, I withdraw my money. And the university is saying sorry to him. You think this world is normal? Leave that in. <laughs> so that's why you hear all this nonsense that uh, everybody agreed on this. Nobody agrees on anything. Go and get Time magazine of the late, early 70s. They were talking about the global freeze. The earth was getting too cold. Now, that's what I'm telling you with the whole story. Why, what was the reason they gave? The same reasons they are giving now for global warming. Industrialization, emission of greenhouse gases. Now, why that's everything I'm saying? I'll tell you. Do you know, during COVID, when everybody shut down, the globe became warmer? But you won't hear it in mainstream. But the fact is there that the globe became warmer. Despite no planes were flying, cars were parked, industries were locked down, the globe should have become cool a bit. No, it only heated up. Now, so forget all this noise about who's warming the globe, who's not warming the globe. The real cause of global warming is in the hearts of people. I was telling one of my classmates now made a joke. So I just posted something to them. You know, say, hey, Texas is getting hot. Too. I said, leave all this noise. It's because of the, now, and I said and I meant it, that these are the effects of the measures being taken against global warming, those measures are actually warming the globe. Yeah, but that they will not accept. 
And I gave an illustration that was so perfect. And I told him what I said to you now about the, the temperature of the globe during lockdown. I said, why was the globe still warming during lockdown? You know what he said? He says, fear. I said, everybody, they tremble. Now they think they heat up. <laughs> That's where I was going. <laughs> the guy said, fear and anxiety. He warmed the globe. <laughs> Even though I laughed, I found it very, very interesting. He said, everybody, the fear of death. The globe became warmer. But the truth is this. <laughs> the temperatures... Actually, control not by what we think. Well, of course, if you know the story, you know about El Nino and stuff like that. You know, the real thing that's warming the globe that's where I was going. They are spiritual, it's how you and I are behaving on the globe. There's a way you defile the globe, it gets too hot. You anoint the globe, it gets too cold, it just makes life miserable for you. Sometimes you pollute the globe so much, it starts convulsing and starts vomiting, it starts retching and starts vomiting. And when when it's vomiting, what does it do? It throws earthquakes at you. When it's vomiting, what does it do? It throws tsunamis at you. What does it do? It throws storms at you. Wildfires. He said, why? These people are polluting the earth. I need to vomit out the inhabitants thereof. They tell you it's because you burnt gas. Burning gas is not a sin against God. If you know the dynamics, the the, the balance systems God placed, the ocean can soak all this carbon that you're making noise about. Trap the whole thing. Dissolve it. We know that the largest concentration of carbon dioxide on the earth is inside the ocean. If the ocean belches, ah, it increases in volume. It, it can't, it's a big buffer. It's lying down there. We know. The thing that controls the activity, that's what I'm going to say, of the oceans, the lands, and all of that is how you and I behave on this earth. And we have seen, it's in scripture like that, when God is getting angry with people because of their thanklessness, you know, their ingratitude, he leaves them over to depravity. And then the actions of depravity starts polluting the earth until one day the earth will come and vomit up the inhabitants thereof. If Europe does not ex- experience a revival, they will be vomited up. Just like God spared Judas, Judah, Judah, that is, from Israel, for, from judgment for a very long time. A day came, God said, no, I need to spare some people for certain reasons. So he, make, he made the United Kingdom Exit from the European Union. And you know what God did with Israel and Judah? He gave Judah time. They had scores, I forgot how many hundreds of years. The Assyrians destroyed northern Israel. But God preserved Judah. Why? Because there were a lot of refugees that came in from northern Israel into Jerusalem. The population of Jerusalem went, I think, increased more than twofold or threefold during the siege of northern Israel. And God said, all of you who are here who are preserved, you have some time to repent. Of course, after a long time, they didn't stop. So God finally sent the Babylonians and cleaned them out too. What I'm trying to say is that what destroys nations is sin and iniquity. That's what destroys nations. And so anytime, you know, I've been all of this time to explain that if you ask me, where, where's your heart? If you say, make a plan for the generations to come. If I'm to judge by what I can see today, I'm not allowed to do that, okay? But at least if I have to judge, I can only judge by what I have. I can't judge imaginarily. If I'm to judge by what I see today, the same reasons why people don't have faith in this nation and they have faith in another one is the reason why I will come to a different conclusion. Because what you call, what, you, know, you see what you want to see. When I look at some countries, what I see is the spiritual climate. That's what I'm looking out first for. I look out first for the spiritual climate. But people don't do that. 
That's what Lot did. Lot stood up and said, Abraham said, choose somewhere. He looked, you know, there's one prayer I, said, I, I, I taught us here before to pray. I pray for myself. Say, God, help me to see from above and not from beneath. When Abraham saw from above, he told Lot, pick anywhere. Anything you pick on this earth does not affect my destiny. No matter what it is, I'll get where I'm going. If you're in a family, they want to share inheritance. Tell them you'll take last. Don't, don't, don't. When they say we are doing tomorrow by 8 o'clock, get there at 5 p.m. Whatever is remaining, they didn't give you. Because I'm the first one, I must take the main house. The main house may become a main grave, so leave that thing. It doesn't mean anything. I'm telling you the truth. The real substance of inheritance is spiritual. Never forget it. Not the physical things you can see. Everybody's running. Lord, that's why Abraham said, we'll leave these things. By the time Jacob came home, all right, he was rich. He did not inherit things from his father. When he left the house, he left empty-handed. Remember that? But he left with the blessing of God. He fought for it, he got it, and he left with it. By the time he left Laban, he was richer than Laban. Esau was there, was a great man, but Jacob came with all the wealth that was needed. He didn't have to inherit any material thing from Isaac. He didn't have to. Don't be so, if anybody listens to me, they are fighting in the family. What is your problem? Over what? Uh, what your father left behind? Don't go for the meetings. Let them take everything. Literally. Let them take everything. Don't fight anybody for anything. Sometimes, just, I wonder, this, I wonder if people fighting about something like, people fight over things like this. House? You fight over a house? Why? And I'm wondering, do you realize that a house is actually a problem? Let me explain what I'm say. Cars are better than houses because if there's trouble here, you drive your car to another place. <laughs> if you park your house somewhere, <laughs> you, it's parked. That's why one is your own. What will you do? I saw you fight over some things. God will bless you in such a manner that anywhere you go, you just pick a house you like. That's the kind of blessing you'll be praying for. Not for a house that was built like 85 years ago. And now you are going to, you are going to court for it. Ah, honestly, no, God has taught me. There are things I don't understand why people fight over. No, I don't get it. Abraham saw from above. Hmm? When he saw from above, he told Lot, anything you like, collect. So Lot looked. Hmm. Wow, look at land. The Bible describes it very well. That it, you know, it was not those who read it later. It says, like when you are going to Ingushan, you know that part of Egypt. He said that's how the land was. That was what Lot saw. He now moved towards Sodom. Before he knew what was happening, he rented a house inside Sodom. The children had to go to school in Sodom. I think you now married one new wife in Sodom. And Sodom girls can find. It's a normal thing. See, once you see Sodom, the girls are always fine. Do you know why? I mean, this is every woman looks the same. It depends on the shop they came out of. This guy doesn't understand. Go for a wedding. If you see all the brides are the same color, yes, they, by the time they finish making your, you are an artwork. <laughs> I was telling my wife the other day, I said, if I'm looking at a photo, I can't put that this woman is fine again. I said, because everybody is the same. I said, these days we don't even know. Like one man said, before you can talk, soak the person in water for like 15 minutes. <laughs> The <laughs> Lord is good. That's why the Bible says beauty is vain. No, the Bible doesn't even remember. He said, he said, favor or charm is deceitful. So beauty cannot should not deceive you. Why? It's totally vain. What it means is that you can buy it. 
And some women blink near you. You think they want to fly. <laughs> the, their eyelashes are like wings. Fly me to the moon. I said, now, wow, the Lord is good. Anyway, now I do lots, yeah. I'm trying to explain how lots packed and entered into Sodom. As beautiful as Sodom was, he left there with nothing. Nothing. He left there with nothing. With nothing. So me, I judge spiritually. That's for me. Sometimes people tell me that, why are you doing this? It's called for my children. I say, don't be silly. What can you offer your children that is of more value than your faith? What? If God gave me a choice, give your child a billion dollars or give him your faith. I'm not, I'm not, not because, some people say, ah, I'll pray about, pray about what? If I pray about it, God will punish me. Say, bank, you went to pray about that obvious decision. That is, the church will have been so straightforward for you. What is a billion dollars? Let me tell you what faith does. When God spoke to Abraham, look to the stars. I've said, I've said it to him many times. I've read my Bible. I've not been able to change my mind. Abraham was not seen Orion. He was not seen the northern star and all those things that you see in the skies. You know what I think he saw? Ha. Stars. Go and read the story of Joseph. You know what I'm saying. Stars represent people. I was reading yesterday that Elon Musk, that I don't know whether I finished launching them. The plan is for 30,000 satellites for Starlink. I said, what? To orbit the earth, cover every inch with his, with his, um, sat- with his internet. At night, come out, you see some of those satellites. That was what Abraham looked at. That's what he saw. You think he was seeing uh, something sh- shining from uh, uh, five, five billion light years away. Who five billion light years ever? Has I ever been able to charge my phone? What did he see? He looked. He saw what his descendants would become. You want to know what, what Abraham saw? Take a flight. Land in one developed city at night. You know what Abraham saw. One day I went to this one of our, went to a Bonnie Enelengi at night. Oh, pass in front of the plant. And I saw how the plant was lit. You can find it online. At night, the whole plant has light everywhere. You think you are looking into the sky. Brilliant. I said, this was what Abraham saw. Let them give you a picture of the gas plants in Qatar at night like that. You know what Abraham saw. Fly and land in Dubai, Paris, LA, New York at night. You will know what Abraham saw. You'll be looking at that's not what we're talking about. God says, So you your descendants will be. Who wants to have a bunch of ignorant, you know, mass of nothing as descendants? Whether they saw the fighter jet that was doing display around the Nugu. That was what Abraham saw. God said, This is what your descendants will build. If you know what Abraham's faith has brought to the earth, if you know what Abraham's faith has brought to the earth. That men will conceive. Sometimes I watch, you know, videos of development of things like HP, Apple, you know, they, you know, look at different technology that came to be in the space of like 50 years. I'm like, wow, these things are not humanly possible. But that was what Abraham saw. He says, so will your descendants be. Where am I going? When the blessing comes upon you, when faith produces blessing, it's your descendants that will be generating billions as if it's nothing. That's what I'm saying. That is why if you tell me that give faith or give a billion dollars, I said to hell with a billion dollars. You give that child faith, 
he can produce anything. For me, I judge things first from the spiritual climate. Let me be wrong, but at least I'll tell God I did what I knew was right. Like I told you, faith is what you know. Faith is what you know. Saw one video yesterday. It was painful. In fact, all this transgender noise and all of that. If you see the amount of lies down that get these things. Lies. Lies. One lie after another. Lies everywhere. I saw one video of one beautiful, now please, you know, beautiful now. You know how we use it. Beautiful girl like this lady speaking. She was born a man. As a teenager, she became a feminine gay man. And then she was um, he. I don't even know if he's she now. What, what are you, my guy? Anyway, let me speak one I know. He became a gay man as a teenager. Feminine. But because of all the distraught in his soul, his soul he one day read the, the, the transgender thing and said, they told her she was a, he was a, he was a transgender, so he's supposed to be a woman. He said, ah, that makes a lot of sense. Then he decided to go that way. So he went for cosmetic surgery. He destroyed the ones that God gave him. Try to create female genitals for him and all of that. And now he was speaking before the lawmakers in one state in America, trying to beg them that please don't do this to young people. Yeah, that's what he was trying to say. Talking about how he had to go on hormones and everything they promised. He said for the first few months he felt happy being a woman. After a few months it wore off and the conflicts began. One medical complication after another. He said, because I ha-, he said, now I live with back pain because I have osteoporosis. This is a young person in his 20s or 30s. Why? Side effect of a man trying to become a woman by taking female hormones. He said, now I live with osteoporosis, so I, I constantly have back pain. So I watched the video. I said, God. Then I realized something. I said, this is what happens when you don't go to church. Now, that's the summary. See what I told you now? It's the summary of what I said. said, this is what happens when you go and go to church. Please drag your children to a real church. Let them sit down there. If you have to knock their head for them to sit down, make sure they sit down. If they sit in church for a few years, this will never happen to them. Let them, let them hear the word of God. Whether they understand it or not is irrelevant. Just sit there. When you grow old, you will not be able to depart. There are things that will not be able to... The Satan will come and say, I can't sit here. Here is uncomfortable. Here is hot. When I saw that young man, because looking like a woman, he just came to testify before the, the, the panel, the legislative body, that please, don't let them do this to young people. They did it to me while I was young, and I'm forever regretting it. I'm talking about the value of faith. So when you have to make decisions, please stop telling me things. Stop, stop behaving like Lot. Stop behaving like Lot. Assess life from a spiritual perspective. For the purposes of argument, I will say, yes, you may be wrong. But at least you did what was right. I hope you're getting my point. At least. But you know how terrible it would be for you to be wrong doing what was wrong? 
I said, at least, at least, let it be that you, you, because you're a Christian, you can't run away from that fact. You cannot run away from that fact. You're a believer. And you will be judged as a Christian. Did you get my point? There's a judgment for believers. I hope you understand that. I'm happy at this statement I just made. You know why? It helped me get into my message for the day. It helped me. Did you read that story I said we should read? We didn't read it. Where was it? Ephesians chapter 1. I said you'll be judged as a believer. That was the last statement I made. You will be judged. The one you want to be judged, God will not judge you with the rest of the world. Their own judgment is different. Yes, you'll be judged as a Christian. That God will say to you, you know one of the things I'm, I fear the most in life is for God to say, but I told you. It scares me. For him to say, but I told you this. I don't know about you. For me, it's scary. Because if he ever says that to you, you have sinned in the similitude of the sin of Adam. You have sinned unto death. If he ever looks at you and says, but I told you. Ah! The story can never get told because he was a prophet and he, had to, he used to have visions of the Lord. He had quite a number in his lifetime. God told him how to minister to the sick. So when you put your hand this way, you do like this, fire will jump from one hand to the other. There's a demon in there. Cast out the demon. The demon will go. The person will be well. First person he held like that, fire jumped from one hand to the other. He said, you foul spirit of infirmity, I command you to get out of his body. And told the man, bend down now. The man has stiff back. See whether he can touch your toes. He tried. It didn't work. He did that thing three times. Apparently, the demon did not go. There's one thing I noticed about the Lord. He doesn't give explanations. That's one thing. He doesn't explain himself. When you have to explain yourself, that's not faith. When you have to explain yourself, it's not faith. The person doesn't trust you. If you have to explain yourself. People do things because you said so when they trust you. And so because he demands faith, he doesn't explain himself. If you obey him, eventually you'll understand. So he can teach future generations. But he will not explain himself to you. So while he was ministering, the Lord just appeared to him again. And the only thing he said is, he didn't tell him that, you know, the problem was that when you did like this, he he just said, I told you it will go. And he made the greatest mistake a man can make under such circumstances. He said to the Lord, but he did not go. The Lord looked at him. I said it will go. He said, Lord, but I know you, you know all things. You were here. You were here. Hey, guys, did you see? Testify. Please stay with me now. Testify. Lie, lie. I'm not joining you to testify against the Lord. God <laughs> <Or> forbid. <laughs> he said, you saw it. And I didn't go. All the Lord said is, I said it will go. I don't know whether it's three times or four times he said that. I said the last time he brought out the finger, put it right in front of his nose like this, his eyes blazing fire. And said, I said it will go. And the vision ended. The Lord did not explain anything. That what you're supposed to do, you declare it like this and continue declaring it. No. He said, I said it will go. At that point, he got confused. Like, oh, I don't die. The Lord said you will go. You did not go. <laughs> they realized what happened. I think the Holy Spirit just nudged him and said, that's not how it works. So he called the man back. He did the same thing again. This time I didn't say, now let us see. He said, now you are healed. Now the demon is gone. Now you are free. Touch your toe, toe my brother. You are free. 
And that one bent over. See, life is spiritual. Don't, just, there's no need to, hey, how will he walk? No, 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 no. Hey, how shall this be? <laughs> Once the Holy Spirit comes, natural explanations are suspended. The man bent instantly. The back that was stiff was free. Why? The Lord said, I told you it will go. See, one thing you must fear in life is this. Let God not come and tell you, but I told you. Let's read this. I'll pick it up from there. Ephesians chapter 1. I went all of that time to explain what faith is. Faith is what you know. To the person walking by faith, his actions, her actions are reasonable. It's what you know. I know that life is spiritual. Peace and prosperity are determined in the realm of the spirit. He said, if he gives peace, who can cause trouble? We had a bit of trouble in Enugu over the last one week. So I realized that we have been passing comments, but I just told my children, no, 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 no. Let us pray. If we want peace, we ask God for peace. He will command peace. And when he has commanded peace, we prophesy peace upon the land. Because any time he commands something, we, we, his prophets, come on the earth and repeat the things that he has said. As our prophetic words, we are binding because he has already bound. Yes. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you. At the same time, I make mention of you in my prayers. What am I praying about? I pray that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I pray that he will give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened so that you will know, remember that, that you will know, you will know what is the hope of his calling, that is, what is the expectation now that he has called you. So that you will know, I pray, that you will know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that is, what God has accomplished, what he has planned for the saints, what great thing that the presence of the saints on this earth, what they are going to accomplish to the glory of God. I also pray that you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power that works toward us who believe. He said these powers, all these things are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. That is, the greatness of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him up from the dead. Having risen up from the dead, he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. And that place is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Let's just complete reading. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And this church is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, please, I will refer to this in a moment. I just want to get this reading out of the way. Remember I was saying something that God judges you differently because you're a believer. Why does he do that? It's because to whom much is given, much is expected. All right? And I was saying that faith is that which you know. I hope you're getting my point. So by faith, you're supposed to know things. By faith, you're supposed to understand precepts. By faith, you're supposed to understand who God is. Now, when the Bible says that God is jealous, that is a very practical thing. God does not want you ever, ever, to think somebody else is God apart from him. Let me quickly explain something. As if you've not had the job for a while, you've been looking for one, 
And if you land a lucrative job as a Christian, and then you are feeling very happy, say, oh, suffering has ended. They will sack you in one week. That's good for you. He will have you fired in one week. He will have you so fired, you will be wondering, what happened? They will say the sins of your ancestors. You have a near, near success syndrome. No. It's rejoicing iniquity. Rejoicing idolatry, I wanted to say. Now that the job has landed, you looked and said, all my needs are now met. God said, eh. Is that how it goes? You will walk there for one week. They will decide that they don't want you again. You will do all kinds of... That's why you're not falling into the hands of false prophets who don't know anything. Say, Pastor Bank, what should I now do when I get a very nice job? Give thanks and know that you have another assignment in front of you. And move on like that. This I have known practically as a person. You know what he says? The Lord is my shepherd. His name is my shepherd. The Lord is my provider. He said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord we see. The Lord will provide. Because that's my name. The day you carry this name and give it to an establishment, I will have a problem with you. I will have a problem with your establishment. Hey, I'm telling you, when you say God is jealous, it's not a joke. Oh. Hey, brethren, it is not a joke. Oh, Okay, I will say this one too. Assume you're a single lady, you wanted to marry a husband, and then God finally gave you one. And your heart, uh-huh, he has now removed shame from me. When I go out, I can now brag. That house will never be happy. Your husband will not follow you anywhere. You will fight. You will so fight eh, that your gist around town is that troublesome couple. The pride you wanted to get from that marriage, you will take it away. Because you better go and learn how to boast in that you know the Lord. So that's the only boast I want to hear from your mouth. Not that eh, if I'm married, me too, I'm now married. Yes. You now be looking for Prince Charles to be holding your hand when you are going somewhere. Of course, I've told you, if you have a prince that will be following you everywhere, you might be the useless husband. She has been telling you. <laughs> Some women say, this man has come again. I will come. I'm not going anywhere. I will tell you the truth. Was it on Tuesday I was saying this thing? Was it on Tuesday? Was last Saturday? Are you sure? When I was telling you that if you, if you call a man at 1 o'clock on Wednesday and he has time to come and buy you ice cream and it's not even your birthday. If it was your birthday, now it's say it's a special day. Was last Saturday, have you? Aha, good. I'm happy. So whoever listened to it, listened to it last time. You know, God doesn't want you to have confidence, pride, you know, which other word do I look now? Glory, yes. In any other thing but in him. Every other thing in life must be seen as an assignment and an accessory to an assignment. See what I said? Let me go back again. Every other thing must be seen as what? And then? That's it. Nothing should be a source of pride. Let him that boast, boast in one thing. The fact that he knows me. That must be the only thing you boast in. The knowledge of God that you have a relationship. And when I say boast, it should make you happy. Like I was watching that particular video of that man that was looking like a woman that was making that statement. I was feeling sorry for him. Why? I said, hi, this fellow doesn't know the Lord. I wasn't feeling superior as a person. I hope you're getting my point. No, I was just feeling that, I, 
This is what happens when you don't know the Lord. Like you see the way we pray here a lot of times. Pastor Kimote leaders prayers. He says, just watch it. He says it a lot of times. Very common. Thank the Lord that you know him. Thank the Lord that he has called you. Thank the Lord that he has drawn you unto himself. Thank the Lord that you left everything you are doing this morning to come and hear the word of God. We keep on giving God the glory for these things. That's what you should boast in. Any other thing you boast in, you're offending him. You're make, you are provoking his jealousy. His jealous anger is being ignited. You know, when I lean like this and I say, Jesus wants that. That's why I was not willing. Well, let me say, I'm, I'm, I was not. I am not willing because anything is possible. Okay? You say, what do you mean? I was going to say, I was not willing to have any of my children, to pay any money to have my children out of Nigeria. Nothing. So why you say, I am not. You know, anything is possible. Maybe I have another. <laughs> I didn't work God the point. The other people wonder, what is wrong with this guy? By the time I was having children, I didn't have anything. If you say, ah, just 10,000 naira, you, 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 you go and burn your children in uh, America. I'm not giving you. 10,000 naira can use to eat here. And of course, the most important thing is that I'm not even going to give anybody a bad example. When you're a preacher, your life is no longer your own alone. Everything you do, everybody, I mark you. I hope you're getting my point. See, nothing wrong with marrying somebody that's from the same local government as you. Nothing, 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 nothing wrong. But I particularly was happy that God didn't do that for me, to me. Not because I wonder if my wife was from Ondose or Labin, unhappy. Not a big deal. We just married. But I particularly like, I like what happened. It wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. I just went for our convention. Hey, did I tell you I saw a picture of my wife when I first met her recently? And I was wondering, I must have been drunk in the spirit. <laughs> Apostle, I'll show you the picture. You'll feel sorry for me. <laughs> See, my own we already know. <laughs> I mean, I was never confused as to my own. No? You know, I used to tell you that the first time I met my wife, I just said, hmm, fine girl. When I saw the picture, I said, no, it was the spirit that spoke. <laughs> ah, she was so thin. Jesus is Lord. I looked at her, I said, what, what were you doing with this degree of thinness? Why were you this thin? You know, I didn't notice. May you see by the spirit. Did <laughs> she do see something? But the way you tapped him, like, like say you are... okay, you will see well. Amen. You will see clearly. Amen. You will see the will of God. Amen. Your eyes will not be able to see natural things. Amen. It's a good prayer. Because <laughs> that was what happened to me. Now, where I'm going is that, see, it wasn't planned. I just met my wife, and then, of course, things turned out the way they did. But for me, it became a good thing because I had to go around preaching and instructing people. So it became, and of course, again, the fact that my brother was staying with me when he met his wife, who was from Imo State, naturally speaking, okay? Her name is Amarachi. So it was also, it just, it just not, not as if everything has to be like that, 
but it was just a good example. If it had not been like that, it doesn't, well, doesn't matter much. I would have had to do more explaining, but... So sometimes, as a preacher, you just have to be careful. It's not everything. I've heard some things preachers will say, I will be embarrassed that, oh, God, even if you believe this, don't say it on the pulpit. You say things like, ah, if my, if my wife doesn't deliver a boy, no, I'm not going to You know, please, 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 don't let God be angry with you. Even if you are thinking it, don't say it. If you are thinking it, you'll be punished, all right? But <laughs> if you say it, your judgment will be double. She says, you know, I'm an African man. Ha, 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 ha. You are not an African man. You are a servant of God from heaven. What kind of thing is this? You don't say it. Because, not, why? Because it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. I can't be looking as a preacher. No matter how much I want my children to school abroad, I will never go and looking for more. Here's a pastor. Look, he sold his car. Why? The child is going to school. I brought sold his car. Even if I wanted to. Hmm? I will send it to a suit by force. When my son said, why? Well, I said, for the ministry's sake. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking about that. He said, no, go, go to school around. Let everybody know that they will not die if they go to school there. Seriously. Because your life is not just your own. It's also an example. But back to what I was trying to say. The time my wife was having kids and all of that, when my children were born, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't stretch my, I won't cross a room to give them the opportunity to be born abroad. I would, I wouldn't. Look, it's not, not only me, my wife was like that too. I've given it story, all right? Her, her mom of blessed memory. Wonderful mother she was. When she was pregnant with her king, Louis, will you go and visit your sister? Her sister lives abroad. Of course, that's not an offer in which I have to look for the money. She must have been offering the ticket and all of that. And my wife said, hey, good, oh, good, oh, good, oh. She was pregnant. She now asked a simple question. When will I come back? So maybe like three months after. Hey, my wife said, what? Three months after I deliver, my husband will not see his child. That was what ended the discussion. She didn't even tell me. Just tell the mother, forget it. The woman looked at you and your husband. Are you, are you sure you... Do I know you from somewhere? Because this guy, I don't... <laughs> Her own simple explanation was that you would deny my husband the opportunity to see his child for a few weeks. And that's not good. An average person doesn't mind the guy not seeing his dog for a year. You know what they will say? That's where I'm going with the whole lie. Say it's an opportunity. You give the child an opportunity. If I give that to my children, it's a disadvantage. If I give you the opportunity to brag in anything, apart from what God can do in your life, that's the point I'm making. It's the stretching I'm saying. I mean, if I was a missionary, if missionary abroad, I hope, I hope you are born there. Of course, is that a big deal? No. Is that stretch? I'm telling you. I would not, if it happens, it happened. It is not an opportunity. It's not an opportunity. I keep on giving as an example. Many people don't know. Well, because we are streaming, maybe I can't say everything live. But you, you know the story I'm telling you about. But my friend, who pastors in one funny corner of Nigeria by, South, by the most Christians in the South Standard. When we are going to the U.S., I have to go to the embassy queue, get a visa. He doesn't have to. He just brings out his British passport. 
or it doesn't have to. Just log to the website, tell them he's traveling, bam, print something, that's it. Boards a plane, lands there. So we are Nigerians on this queue, doesn't join us. Not like we've ever gone together, but he goes to the other queue where the British are going and going to finish what he's doing, come back and go back to his corner of Nigeria. So we tell you it's an advantage. Advantage over for what now? As he did his call to ministry. The only thing he does is just helping me. It's easier for him to travel. And of course, this time when I'm traveling, <laughs> for some of us, visa is not a problem. Is buy the ticket. So whether, whichever passport you carry, buy the ticket. That's, that's what matters now. I hope you're getting my point. So, see, God doesn't want you to glory in any other thing apart from in him. That's the emphasis I'm making. Please, he doesn't want you to glory. That is like confident. If they find out, ah, your, your brother is now the governor of Enugu State. Your uncle is now the president of Nigeria. Because if you relocate from where you are because of it, I will disgrace you. Where you were, well, where you were doing your ministry before. Eh? Did I not know that your uncle is going to become president? Do you know pastors have opened a branch in Abuja because a church member became minister? Yeah, they, they, they've done it. So then they now they say the Lord has been speaking to us to come to Abuja. Okay, now you have lost election now. The man is back in Lagos. You'll be following people up and down because he says, okay, that man at least. Of course, that's why you start preaching things that God did not preach. When you hear that uh, they appointed new ministers, you are thinking of their first fruit. When the man comes to church, praise God. How to sanctify the whole. <laughs> she got the point. <laughs> How to sanctify the whole. If the first is holy, the rest is holy. You are telling him to sanctify his stay as a minister by bringing everything they paid him to you first. It's <laughs> <laughs> are preaching wrong doctrines because you are glorying in a thing that's not God himself. Let me tell you what God does with Christians. Suddenly, your, your uncle's best friend is now a vice chancellor. He starts dancing. Hey, free admission. God said, pass the jam. Let me see. Oh, come and pass it now. You will fail work for no reason. That's it. You just wake up in the morning. You just say, you're very good, though. You just say, go, you just say, fail that boy. Fail him, fail him, fail him. Fail his sister, too. <laughs> Does he have a friend? Just fail all of them. Just fail all of them. <laughs> you don't know God. He's saving your life. See, it's your life he's saving. Because if you, if you build your faith on things like that, the day you don't know anybody, you will be so faithless, you will sink. So God will just tell you, say, she, you have seen now. If I don't help you, no human being can help you. Say, Lord, I see. Very good. When you have now learnt it, you now go, you will now pass. You will now open doors for you where you don't know people. People will now even be angry with you. That why didn't you tell us you needed this? Say, oh God, it's not even my fault. <laughs> the Lord who's on my case, if I had told you, Two of us will sink. You just lose your job because of me. Is it good? Told the story of one young man. He wanted to move to the UK. He tried those days when collecting, paying for visa. That's the story I was telling you earlier. Visa fee was our one month salary. 
as young post NYC doctors to I'm not saying to collect it, just to apply for visa. It was the same amount of money, a little more actually, than you earn in a whole month working. He had gone for interview once. They declined. He went another time. They did not accept. He saw me one day. He said, please, I need to see you. It was my junior in school. He said, ah, Brother Banky, please, I need to see you. I was the pastor Banky called my I just need to see you. What is it? The third time he was going, he had paid. Because a man told him, what is it? When you are going, what you need to have pounds? See me before you go. I will give you all the pounds you need. When you show it to them or prove to them the money you have, they will give you the visa. For that man's sake, he went and paid. Another attempt. A day or two before the day of the interview, he called the man to say, Ah, okay, interview is tomorrow, day after tomorrow. Just remember our last discussion? He called the man's office. Not now that everybody has a phone. There was those days. He called the man's office. The secretary picked the phone. Please, can I talk to a guy? Say, which guy? The one that died yesterday. Ah, oh, guy just died. The guy said, what, what did you say? So, 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 person you are calling? Yes, it's in the mortuary. What happened? We don't know, too. Somebody shot him? No. That an accident? No. This man now looked. That's why he came to look. He said, please, please, I need to talk to you. So, I was looking at him and said, so what? He said, what should he do? I said, nothing. Now, you paid for the interview. He said, yes. I go for it now. When is it? Tomorrow. I said, go for the interview. Whatever happens is the will of God. He went for the interview and they denied him again. I said, that's the will of God. Let's leave it there. <laughs> that's, no, I said, it's the will. For me, you know, that this has never moved me. I said, it's the will of God. It's nothing. It's the will of God. See, let me just drop something for you. Those of you who feel like you are called to ministry, or not only ministry, anything you have to do in life, listen. The idea that I'll go abroad, go and look for money and come and start it, just don't fool yourself. It doesn't work like that. Those of you called to ministry, say, let me first go. <laughs> let me do my small digression first. Eh? If you are called to ministry, please start ministering. Ministry is not CAC registration. Ministry is not hire a hall in Elling Plaza or buy land and erect something. Ministry is what? Minister. When I started ministering, all I used to do was print tracts. And my wife and I folded 10,000 of those tracts by hand, just us, and distributed it. And they went across. The tract went to many places. I've seen people on the road before carrying my tracts. And I stopped. Where did you get that from? Some people are going around preaching there. They gave it to me. I don't know the people preaching. I just kept on writing the tracks. You have to still have them. Today. I've not written any new one. I've written only two or three in the last 15 years. All right? And so I don't write many new ones anymore. All right? But that's the idea. I was ministry. Just find an avenue to minister. Go somewhere, gather three people, and just be ministry. Ministry is not that I registered. Your name is now um, uh, uh, you know, Kingdom Intergalactic Ministries Incorporated. It doesn't, it's not necessary. You don't need money. This idea that let me go and make money. And then I'll now come back to ministry. Is in fact God will be angry with you. You don't do the things of God when it is convenient. You don't put it as second. You put it in front, it's primary. I hope you're getting my point. You don't put it in you don't put it you know behind. It must be in front, it must be primary. Every other thing falls behind it. Well, I see people do that a lot of times. Uh, you know, they have to settle family first. Anything you put first. Before God, 
you place a curse on them. Do you hear what I said? Anything you put first. Man told me once, now I've reached the peak of my career. I cannot settle down for ministry. I looked. I told myself, you're not called in my mind. He was asking me for advice. So, so what do you think I should do? My mind, eh. What do I think you should do? I don't think you should be doing anything. No. Because obviously, you are not called. Using the words of Kenneth Hagin, he said, either you are not called or you are hopelessly unfaithful. I said, no, you are not called. You can't be called. And you'll be talking to me like this. That I've now reached the peak of my career. I've settled that one. Let me now face ministry. I said, eh? And you think you will accept that offering? No. Ah, I'm about to say something that's very weighty. Some offerings are permanently unacceptable. Permanent. There's no repentance. Because there's not, you can't preach and I will accept. Say why? You waited too late. Say, why am I still alive then? Because I wanted to just raise children for me, then you can get out. And one of the things you will tell them, that don't behave like me, I was foolish. I thought it's very weighty. don't want to say it, but I have to. Don't get this impression that any time God is waiting for me. There are things you must do now. If you don't do it now, tomorrow is too late. People think it's only salvation. It's not only salvation. There are things you have to do now. Otherwise, tomorrow is no longer acceptable. When you come after and say, God, please, uh, uh, God say, no, I found somebody else to do it. Can't I just still do it? Say, there's nothing else to do. Not in this context, not by people of your generation. You think every time you cry that there's an opportunity for repentance, go and ask um, Esau. When God said, enter the promise, and they say, we can't enter. God said, you are not entering. He said, let's go in now. Because if you go in there, you will die. And they entered and died. God said, yeah, I told you. 40 years, guys, go and get ready. Because enter the promised land, and they say, we are not entering. Enter now, now. They say, we can't enter. Why? Is the place is dangerous. Okay, no problem. Everybody, get back into the wilderness. 40 years. Let me prepare a new generation. They say, oh, we are sorry, let us enter. And I'm going to say, I'm not entering again. They say, no, everybody, get ready. We can go in. Moses say, God is not going with you. He has sat down here with me here. So all of them said they were leaving. We were looking at God. God said, let them go. When the Canaanites pummeled them, beat. Moses said, hey, listen, guys, 40 years, get ready. I have this inside me. I keep on telling Christians, don't just assume you can leave everything that is convenient till it's convenient. No. You can't leave everything till it's convenient. You cannot leave everything that's convenient. A lot of the things you will do for God is not convenient. Moses was not sacked from the palace when he decided to start trying to rescue the people, even though he did it wrongly. I hope you're getting my point here. There are times you will just get to walk out. It's convenient. That is like, there's no trouble, but he said, no, 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 no. That living is inconvenient because staying is convenient. But no, let me take myself into inconvenience. If that is what is required to pursue the purpose of God for my life. If you're always in pursuit of easy life, you will disobey God regularly. You know what I said? If you're always looking for the easy life, disobeying God will be a regular thing with you and you will not even know. You can have a job that's paying you 500 naira. A door will open for the one that's paying 5,000. And God says, if I see your hand there, say, then you now start lying this kind of lie. We will not be able to sponsor the gospel. God said, when did I tell you that I was too poor to sponsor the gospel? When? When? When did I come to your house? If I was hungry, would I have told you? I've heard it before. With that money now, we will not be able to. 
The gospel's problem is not money. I can say to you right now that we have more money than we have men to use. Yes, the church of God in Nigeria. That's how we keep on building like we don't, we don't have sense. You know, we build all kinds of things. Yeah, if you've not noticed, the way we build sometimes, <laughs> Federal Ministry of Works will be saying, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we, I know in your church people don't have money. But that's just your church. As a church in Nigeria, one day I saw one church, I won't tell you the name, on television. They were showing us what they were building. I feel like calling their general overseer or archbishop of what well, his title doesn't matter now. So, okay, do you know that Jesus will destroy this thing? When I saw the investment and effort, I said, what is this? Sometimes people don't even reason well. Go and read by church history. God dislikes those things. Many of these giant, giant things, things we are building here, next generation, it will be so empty that we will be forced to give it to the world to be doing show. Just to show you that this building means nothing to him. You know the truth about the gospel? What is required is people, they, they sacrifice people, not money. The problem we have in church in Nigeria right now actually is we don't know how to use our money. That's the truth. Okay, so what I'm going to say, so don't come and try and bribe God. No, don't think if I make this money now. God say, hey, wait, stay where I kept you. Stay there. Occupy there until I come back. Go and read our book, Don't Quit the Army. I'm saying this for us to know that the way God judges believers is different from how he judges the world. Now, why did I go into that? The last time I was explaining something about knowledge. Number one, I explained that we must aim to increase in knowledge. Do you understand that? Yes, that's the reason why I'm, I'm going to that now. Just watching my time. We must aim to increase in knowledge. There are times where we were babes. For a season, we'll be babes. But God says, in the midst of that, desire the sincere milk so you can grow thereby. He said, if you don't continue growing, you are going to fall from your steadfastness. Rather than allowing yourself to fall, he said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. And our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what you are supposed to do. So that you will not fall from your steadfastness. I just read from Second Peter chapter uh, 3. That's verse um, 17. He said, be on guard so that you are not carried away by the error of, of unprincipled men. And fall from your own steadfastness. In verse 18 he says, rather grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. That's Jesus Christ. So that's what you're supposed to pursue. Let me quickly add this one to it, and then, which is why I said what I've been saying all the while. The more knowledge you have, I said it last time, I just want to revise it briefly. The more God puts a demand on you to walk by that knowledge. I just feel like revising that for us briefly. And when we say knowledge now, the knowledge of God, that's why I began from actually without quoting this. If you know God as your provider, it starts making demand on you to live like you know he's your provider. Do you get my point? You know the truth? Together with love, that, those two are the foundation for generosity. God my provider, and then I love the brethren, I love the work of God. Those two things are the foundation for generosity. You know, money piled up, whether you like it or not, becomes a God. See, 
That's just the way it rolls. It becomes a God. And you know the thing about gods like that? They talk to you. They tell you what to do. They start giving you ideas. You know, the time God gave me the revelation that was contained in 2 Timothy chapter um, 6, it was in the time of my own need. I needed money. And God said, the problem is that you think money will solve your problem. That's what I said the other day, well, school of prayer here. I said, stop telling God how to solve your problem. Just tell him what the problem is. And cast the burden upon him. Don't tell him how to solve it. Because when you do, you limit. In fact, you inactivate your own faith. Because if he's not going in that direction, you start losing faith. Don't tell him how to solve your problem. Then, I needed money. So every money I had, I kept it. That's why I learned long ago. I think it's only once I've used something I'm doing as an excuse. (laughs) All right? And I regretted it. In fact, I actually went back. It was when my dad passed on. We were planning the burial. So one young man came and asked me for money about something. And I told him, look, right now, I can't even think about it. I'm planning funeral ceremonies for my dad. Then after that, my conscience told me, are you crazy? I have to go and meet his senior. Say, please, oh, this guy asked me for money the other day. I'm so sorry I told him this. How is the situation? I was ready to, the guy doesn't know I shouldn't, but they have fixed it. It pained me. I wanted to bring money, but it's not somebody I was close to. So I just went to somebody who was senior to him. I said, please, this is your guy. The other day, he and I had the conversation. So on the, on the on McGuire road here. All right, that's what I said. I said, please, I, what was the situation? I was ready with money this time around. Why? Because I gave an excuse. And I realized that God was totally displeased. If you don't want to help the young man, say you're not helping. So stop using stories like that as an excuse. And really, that should not be an excuse. What are you trying to say that I cannot provide enough money? What are you doing? The only other time I used what I was doing when our house was being built as an excuse it was, it was just, it was even a, pardon me, please, don't go and lie, what I'm about to say. It was actually a lie in quote. In, in quote to, what did I say? A woman came to ask me for money. And I didn't want to, there's a reason why I didn't want to give her. There's a reason. I wanted to help her, but I didn't want to hand her the money. There's a reason why. I won't tell you the reason now, but I'll just, so I, so I, that's when I said, ah, you know, I told you, ah, you know that, uh, uh, Bishop? Bishop is taking off my money. <laughs> I just said, ah, but really, the truth is that, I'm being honest with you. I was not fully honest with her, all right? So I said, okay, I'm going to help you. So I called another guy to stand as an intermediary. I whispered to that one, any money she needs, give her. I said, don't worry. So he told us what she needed. I said, ah, you know me, I'm very busy with money. So you lend her the money, give her the money. So he did. As soon as she left, I gave the guy the money. As soon as she left, I said, well, I just wired him the money. He said, okay, why do you want to, I, I, I won't tell you the reason why I didn't want to give her directly, but there was a reason. It's a good reason. All right? So I just, I gave him the money, and then, so he gave the money. So the lady thought forever that that guy was the one that brought the money. I said, no. I'm, uh, I won't tell you the reason why. I was just angry about something. Say, I am not giving you money. Go. But I couldn't watch her, you know, go ahead. So as, the whole money she wanted, we gave it to her. But she just knew, she didn't know it came from me. My wife did it to somebody like that one day. The person did that bad, very, very badly bad. As a woman and her husband, a couple. Please, can I just beg you? Don't be a family of two wicked people. It's not good. <laughs> if you're a very difficult person that don't, you don't care about people, at least let your wife be the nice person. Eh? Even when they put two policemen together, there's a good cop and a bad cop. Eh? Please, be a... This was a family of two crooks. It's not good. 
you're a criminal. Your husband is a criminal. What, who does that? I know another couple like that. Husband, thief, wife, liar, cheat, cheat. And two of you, are, what will your children be? Which kind of thing is that one? The Bible said that the children will be sanctified by the faith of one of you. Now, two of you are your wicked souls. Please, so I know you are wicked. Just pray for your wife to be good. Say, Father God, this is my wife. May she not share in my wickedness. And if you are the wicked soul, say, Lord, please, my husband, may he not be like me. So that somebody will be good in the family. I know this family was just bad, two people. My wife was not feeling sorry. But, so she wanted to give the woman money. She said, nobody are bad people. So he called her friend. Say, please, take money. Give this person. She's suffering. Don't tell her it's me. We'll never find out till tomorrow where the money came from. Because my wife said, no, I can't let her have the pleasure that I gave her money. <laughs> She'll be thinking that she's a good person. She, she needs to know she's a bad person. <laughs> now, where I'm going, all right, is that God help me with that thing. No. I learned it early. That's where I learned that thing from. Because that time I was getting married, I was using all the money I had for myself. God said, that's not the way it works. And the sign that I was depending on my money was I cut off generosity out of my life. Well, I didn't have to give again. That was what I thought. God said, no, it doesn't work like that. If you are depending on me, a sign that you are still depending on me is your continual generosity. That's why I said what I said. That you see, you have to learn to make God, you know, your hope. And you have to keep it like that. You know, we're talking about knowledge. When you know God is a provider, listen to me, every knowledge he gives you places a demand on you. You cannot act. See, this is how knowledge is. First, you have knowledge. You meditate on that word until you are convinced of it. Then that conviction produces works in your life. It's good you learn the kind of works it produces so you can produce it easily. And when it has produced it, the word now becomes what if my Greek is correct, it becomes what they call epignosis. It now becomes full and complete knowledge. You cannot have full and complete knowledge until that word is producing practice in your life. I hope I get my point. So let's take that generosity as an example. When you have made generosity your habit, you become fully persuaded even more that God is my provider. And that faith makes your provision come anytime it's needed. It doesn't swell your account balance, but it means you will never be stranded. I hope you're getting my point. That's how faith works. Listen to me. Don't be afraid. You know, Jesus said something. He said, fear not, little flock. Why? It's your father's good pleasure to do what? To give you the kingdom. Now, this is what I want to ask you. Why will he say fear not? Have, you ever, have I ever given my children, maybe I come home with um, ice, cream and, ice cream and small chops, and I say fear not, eat. Have I ever said things like that? But let's assume a child is not feeling well. And I shake one green-looking liquid. I shake it, put it into a spoon. What would I now say? Fear not drink. Why? It looks fearful. I've never seen children that are afraid of ice cream. No. Say, fear not, take this ice cream. The guy will say, is there anything wrong with it? You know that's what he's going to ask you. So when Jesus said, fear not, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know what that means? They were about to take steps that were scary. This is where I'm going. Anytime knowledge comes, 
It starts making demands of you that naturally may be scary. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. Now, a young man came to him. He said, sell all you have, give to the poor. Then you can have eternal life by following me. That was what they were saying. Fear not. That was, that was the time they said that. Thing. He said, fear not. Say, don't be afraid. See, when I say you should sell everything he has, it doesn't mean you become poorer. You know, recently, eh, I, I won't give you details, but personal experience over the last few years, last one year, two years max, I just noticed this thing about God becoming, that's being my provider. I'm not allowed to keep my eyes on anything or anybody. And I was praying yesterday and the day before about it. I said, Lord, see, you know what? To be truthful with you, I'm grateful, though, because there are some personal dealings. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, the truth is that I'm very grateful. I'm happy that you're teaching me regularly not to keep my eyes anywhere but on you. Let me give you an Let me explain the kind of thing I'm saying. Do you know if today God says, Bank, build a refinery, you know, like Dangote did. Okay, say, so yours is going to be worth, let's say, make a small one. $200 million, a small modular refinery. You know what he has taught me? Don't ever, when it's completed, don't ever for a moment think you are rich. Finish the work. Make sure it's running. Okay? Once it is done, you've done your assignment. I will lead you, you go and do something else. Not for one moment you will turn around and say, now I have something that I can leave for my children. I have something that will be providing for me. Because they never reason like that. And I told him, I really don't have a problem with it. In fact, for me, I was great when I was praying. It was gratitude. I was say, Lord, thank you. Because I realized what that means is that if tomorrow you take me from here, leave my refinery behind, drop me in the wilderness. You know what? He has not changed a bit. I hope you're getting my point. When he said, fear not, little, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'm telling you, every time knowledge comes to you, it makes a demand of your soul. It does. See, life... You know what makes you and I different from animals? You want to know? Let's just read it because it's in the Bible. I just want us to read it to be nice. Job chapter 35. Job 35. I can't seem to leave this knowledge thing alone. It's intense. It is what you know that makes you different from the person next to you. It's fundamentally what makes us different from animals. Let's read from verse 9. Eli was speaking. Job 35. From verse 9. It said, because of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry out for help because of the arm of the mighty. But no one says, where is God my maker? I'm not talking about that one. I often talk about that, but let's go to the other side. No one says, where is God my maker? Who gives songs in the night? Who teaches us, now, what is that? Who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? Did you notice that? Notice those two words. Who teaches? That's knowledge. Who makes us wiser? Application of knowledge. Where you are different from animals is what God has taught you and what you are walking by. Let's leave animals for a moment. Where you are different from the world is the instructions that the Lord has given that you are walking by. Listen, until you are walking by divine instructions, you are not different from the people that are not born again. In fact, many people that claim they are under a curse, that's what their problem is. Like we're saying yesterday on the Bible discussion here, that sometimes people say, look, they're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness yesterday. 
the Holy Spirit just came upon me to explain something to people. That, listen, you cannot be forgiven halfway. That is, you come to Christ, collect forgiveness, and go back to live like the world. No. It's the whole package. God forgives you and collects you entirely. Where am I going? Then you start learning his own precepts and start working according to his own ways. That is what makes you different from the other person. I'm talking about knowledge. See, I was saying something to you at the beginning. I want to use marriage as an example again. It's natural you want to marry somebody from the area you know, people that you trust in and all of that. Then God comes to you one day and says there's what? One body. Okay? Now, just believe it. There's one body. Whether the Christian is naturally a Fulani Christian or a Portuguese Christian or a Ghanaian Christian or whatever, there's what? One body. It's fine in your heart. It's fine in your heart. You just keep on living. Assume you're a young man or a young woman. Oh, no, you are not young. You are even old. You have children. You give your life to Christ. Everybody goes to church in your house. Then marriage time comes. Either you are the one that is young or is one of your children that wants to get married. And then next time, next thing, people start, start bringing up discussion. Uh, where is this person from? God says, I told you like six years ago, do you remember? There is one body. You say yes. That do not let that discussion hold in your household. Why? That's knowledge. Knowledge just makes a demand. So your kids and kin, they come. And this young man that wants to marry your daughter, where is he from? He said, ah, he goes to a deeper life. They said, no, that's not what we mean. He said, okay, his father was in assemblies of God. No, that's not what we mean. He said, what else could you mean? So they come, and in your mind, you know what your people mean. No? You know what they, you know what they mean. You're just, you are just being coy. You just want to be difficult, because this, the the knowledge of God has placed a demand on you. They said, is it not this boy that uh, somebody told me that is an imbecile boy from him? Uh, they say, hey, excuse me, we don't discuss that in this house. So what did you say? He's a Christian, I'm convinced of it. I know the guys who even baptized him. Very diligent in their church. I heard he goes to deeper life in Enugu. That their branch is pastored by one guy who knows the word. I've heard the pastor preach. Good man. When that guy explained Genesis chapter 1, even me, I was, a, and he said, what are you saying? I'm saying, we are from the same tribe. And this is how you have always done. He said, so you know. So why you bring up this matter? <laughs> you know what just happened? Knowledge made a demand on you. Placed a demand on you. And let me say something to you for you to understand it clearly. If you go against what knowledge says, you are sinning the sin unto death. You are sinning in the likeness of the sin of Adam. Because the Bible says Adam was not deceived. He said the sacrifice was given to those. Go and read Romans, um, Hebrews chapter, um, chapter 9. He said, but into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. That's chapter, verse 7. That is what is he saying. See, the one I have told you, if you go against it, the Bible says there remaineth no more sacrifice for such sins. When knowledge makes a demand on you, don't joke with it. Obey it. 
But he said, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. People of God, listen. Don't let knowledge ever stand against you in judgment. One thing I pray, when I'm praying sometimes, I finish preaching. One of the things I often pray for people, I say, Lord, may these words that we have heard today not stand against us in the day of judgment. Let the Lord not say, but I told you. It's an important point. May the Lord never say to me, that's my own, but I told you. Let me tell you something again about knowledge. Knowledge in life is in stages. Faith is tied to the new level of revelation, uh, knowledge. I hope you get my point, revelation knowledge. You cannot jump those stages. You can't. Let's take this oneness of the body as an example. God will say in your own career, the spiritual development, understanding the oneness of the body. Now listen, it's not just that they told you, but you heard it, you have begun to live by it. That's what I'm saying. That is a full knowledge. That is a full-seated epignosis we are talking about. That you are, it has so entered you that you are now living by the sign that you know is that you are applying. That's why he said, who teaches us and then makes us wiser? Wisdom, as you know, is the application of knowledge. Until that wisdom is converted, that knowledge is converted to daily application in your life, which is what we call wisdom, you don't fully know it yet. But you get to know fully when you are now applying. Now, this point I'm making, until you get to that point, there's a next level of revelation you will never enter into. So, let me give an example. If you don't understand that fullness of the body that I was just telling you about, God says you are a minister, right? For your ministry to enter another level, now please, pardon me, I'm not saying it always goes like this, just an illustration. For your ministry to become international, now, not for the glory of, you know, vain glory. I just mean for impact. Because there's a level of revelation I need to give you. But it cannot be given until you have crossed this hurdle. So if you sit in your house and you take a whole day to explain to the people that the imbecile people are not bad after all, because you don't get the point. Imbecile people are bad. Not because of imbecile, just because they are natural people. Who the people are also bad? All the people from Ondo State are wicked. So, get, don't get my point. So, don't get me wrong. I hope you get my point. Everybody. I've never seen a good Delta man, all right? So, it's the same thing. <laughs> but you get where I'm going. What I mean is that natural people are bad. That's what I'm saying. That's the point I'm trying to emphasize. So, you are not there to defend natural people. Some of us make that mistake. You don't go there to be defend. Natural people are bad. Only type people from this area are like this. The answer is they are like that. If they are natural. I hope you get my point. Our defense all the time is for believers. I only tell you, one lady I met once, said, ah, her father said that too. She can marry anybody, but you can't marry a Yoruba man. But said, but you know a Yoruba man in church. That's me. I preach to you, get excited every time. So why do you repeat kind of nonsense? You should be the one to go home and tell your father that what matters is that they are believers. The person I'm talking about, I just remember her one day. I said, ah, where is this young woman? The only information I found out was divorce she filed, she and her husband. Yeah, and she married the person the, husband, the father wanted her to marry. It's not 10 years down the line. Well, I don't know how many years down the line. You were in court filing for divorce. 
So where did following your father? How has it helped you now? Where did it take you to? To the glory of God, you know, of course, it's a natural thing. When I wanted to get married, my mom, of course, you know, I've been crazy for a very long time, so people recognized so my madness. So, thank God my father didn't really care about things like that. He didn't. There I told him I wanted to marry. He says it's about time. That's the only thing he said. He didn't say, who is he? Who is not? He didn't. <laughs> he said not. I remember very well. I said, Daddy, you will ask me who. He said, ah, you bring her. I want to bring her. I was expecting questioning. No interview. I'm not giving you a job. So they don't even this interview. I know inside her heart. My mother will listen to this. I don't know. But and inside her heart, she was like, eh, because, you know, she was asking questions. So My auntie now one day said something to me. I told her auntie, she know the difference between when you are being informed and when your consent is being sought. Yeah. I told her I've been crazy for a long time. I, <laughs> I told her like that. I said, Auntie, you should know the difference when I'm seeking your consent and when I'm giving you information. All right? So after she left, my mother said, eh, she was just joking. I said, Mommy, that's a very bad joke. Don't defend her. I don't like that joke. Now, where I'm going is simple. On my wife's side, too, some people, now, I, I found out from my father-in-law later, some of her people said, No, why is Zufoma going to marry a Yoruba man? Hey, kiniko, kiniko, kiniko. My father-in-law gave them one long, natural explanation, and they calmed down. But where I'm going is that one day, we're looking at wedding pictures in my parents-in-law's bedroom. We were just looking. My mother-in-law was there. She said, ah, I said, oh, that day, oh, so wonderful marriage. And they said, wonderful wedding and wonderful marriage. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, she said it. We're just looking at pictures. Ah, she was remembering the day of the wedding. That was the first of their children to marry. So, oh, she went to town, gave it everything she got, you know. And then she was just looking at remembering the days. And I said, wow, but the marriage has been very good. Yeah, she said it. Said it in my hearing. She was just, it wasn't even trying to impress me. Just say it, pass, say it in passing. Thank you. Somebody said glory to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's glory to Jesus. The danger will be for you to come and say, please, oh, when your daughter wants to marry, say to your mama, let him marry. They will kill your girl. <laughs> Do you get my point? <laughs> it's not a tribe thing. It's a Jesus thing. I hope you're getting my point. It is not a tribe thing. It is a Jesus thing. It's not a tribe thing. You get, so don't stop going around defending tribes. God will be angry with you, I'm telling you. you know, I, I let you know the things that offend him. Defend Christ. That is the tribe we understand. When they say people like that, they say, eh, is he a Christian? He say, ah, no, his own should be different now. When they say, ah, this guy is like this, oh, very good. People, they say, wait, 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 is he a believer? That is the reason why now. And let me tell you, I've told you young men, young women, don't marry anybody that doesn't go to church. If the person is not hearing the word of God, it's a time bomb. Please now, by the way, if you came here to pretend to a girl that you are hearing the word of God, you are a liar. God punish you. Amen. 
no, I, I'm not joking. No. Thunder fire you there. Next time you are coming, your, got, your car will jam tree. Amen. The pastor, you are joking. I'm not joking. If you are here, you are like that. And you think I'm joking. This evening you will sleep in hospital. So that you will just know by tomorrow morning that I'm serious. You won't die, but they will give you infusion overnight. In the morning you will recover. Just for you to know. That black preacher was not joking. If you want to play Mago Mago, go and play it in one white garment church far away from here. If you come near here to come and deceive one of the people that came here to hear the word of God, to pretend like because pastor said that uh, you don't follow pastor who's not here in the world, you not come here. In the name of Jesus, thunder fire you. Amen. At midday. In front of the market. As you can see, I'm not joking. No, I've not finished. Today, my anointing is for, is for lying men. The women, I will handle your one another time. <laughs> Today, I have only come with anointing to handle men that came here to deceive daughters of Zion. Yes. This week, all your customers will quarrel with you. And you will know it's because of this prayer. So you will not come here again. Bye-bye to Jati Jati. In the name of Jesus. Don't carry your nonsense the way I'm preaching. You know, there are some things I don't joke. Those days I used to tell my students, if I see your leg the way I'm preaching, because you want to come and do uh, okay, I'm a Christian. I say you will fail, you will never pass again. What, I'm warning those of you who came here to look for a wife. Now you are the one. Have an anointing against you. Go and get born again somewhere else. So I can't give my life to Christ here. See, Pastor came to downstairs. <laughs> Just don't deceive anybody. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This anointing I've released is permanent too. I'm not withdrawing it tomorrow. So all you young, young ladies, when one guy begins to pursue you, just warn and say, are you coming to Bible study? He says, yes. Say, These are the rules. So, Thunder fires those who are not really serious. <laughs> <laughs> say, These are the things that the man of God has said. He is trying to help people like me so that I will not be deceived. So please, don't think he's joking. No, once you enter that place, because you are truly born again, and you want to hear the word of God. He said, Amami Yota. The guy says, yes, say, let's go. Then if he goes two, three times, nothing bad happens to him. Then begin to suspect that he must be a real, a genuine person. Anyway, having said that, please, don't let the entrance of the word depart from you. The reason is because by it, God is distinguishing you from the people of Egypt that he wants to judge. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah. Knowledge comes, makes a demand. It makes a demand. Once you operate by what is demanding, then God gives you another level of revelation and understanding. 
I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, he does. Each time he releases a new level to you, your ability to conquer new territory is released. So like I was saying, remember that joke we made about international ministry? Yes. When this man, this woman has learnt it, there is one body, there is one body. God now says, hey, wait, let's take this one body thing, let's go beyond geography. Suddenly you are seeing ministry that's going on in New Zealand. You are seeing ministry going on in Australia. You are seeing ministry going on in parts of China. And you are here in Nigeria. Or you are in Ghana. Or you are in, you are in Kenya. You are listening to this from Kenya. And suddenly you start seeing it. You start seeing it. And then because once you begin to see it like that, what God is doing is saying, take it by faith. What God, no, that's what he does with land. He said, look, this is the land I'm giving you. Now he said, what am I not supposed to do? See, oh God, I don't want to keep up like I did last time. So let me hurry. The truth is this, eh? Hope is what drives you to prayer. Hope is a derivative of faith. Once you interact with the word, it suddenly starts giving you, let me, let me use a simple word, uh, word. It starts giving you ideas. It starts giving you visions. You can't do anything by yourself to bring that vision to pass. But because of faith, you get on your knees and you say, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. And he gives it to you. You can't say that until faith has been kindled. Faith cannot be kindled until God has given you revelation knowledge. Do you get what I'm going to say here? So as you see, it looks like, oh, I'm in Nigeria, I'm in Kenya, I'm in Ghana, and I'm seeing New Zealand, I'm seeing Australia, I'm seeing a lot of South America. How shall these things be? Because you don't need to say more than that. Get on your knees and say, Lord, I see New Zealand. I see Australia. I see South America. Hey, I even saw myself. Initially, I'm preaching in English. Then they are translating to Spanish. Then I see myself speaking Spanish fluently. Ah, then you open your eyes. Wait, oh, I'm sitting in this my room in Kenya here, or in Ghana, or in Nigeria. They now get on your knees. I say, Lord, this is what I see. Give me. Make it happen. Once you say, Lord, make it happen, the spirit is released. Do you get my point? He said, look from the book of the Lord and read. He said, none of this will fail. Nor would anyone lack his mate. Why? He said, because of the mouth of the Lord has commanded, therefore his spirit has gone out and gathered them. It's a spiritual principle. From that place of prayer, his spirit goes out, begins to gather. Why? Because you were able to receive a new revelation which provoked a new level of faith. Next thing you know, just give us an example. Somebody just called you one day and said, ah, we read your book. We're talking whether you guys will be able to come to preach for us. You are thinking of Baba Kiliki. Somebody said, no, no. We are calling from Brazil. Say, Bra, say, what's happen? Then discussion continues. In six months, you landed in Brazil to teach a congregation of 500 people. And you're like, what happened? Half of, the, a, a good number of them came from another country. They are so blessed. Next thing you know, every time you are preaching, they are streaming. They are joining. Next thing you know, you are traveling up and down. From there, another group say, oh God, please, eh? I don't know. We came from this particular group. We are really, I can live in New Zealand. And after a while, they are looking for you again and again. This is your back leaky. Your back leaky, now you they pray from you. And they are having to beg the people in New Zealand, leave our God for us now. Now, they are not the ones streaming when you are preaching in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, you look behind one day, 15 years have passed, and you have been in every country in South America. You have been in Australia. You've been in New Zealand. You've been teaching the word of God regularly, preaching. Maybe you're even a pastor, an apostle. And then God you know, commands you. And you set you in one of the places, start a church. And they're having branches. You put a pastor. They move to another place. And you're looking like, hey, how did this happen? First time I prayed about this was just 20 years ago. Look at what has happened now. God said, see, this revelation came 
after you understood the issue of there is one body. Do you get my point? That's what you just understood. Now, please, pardon me when I use ministry as an example. It's because I'm a preacher. Easier for me to relate with. I hope you're getting my point. But that same one body can be used to conquer the whole of West Africa and the whole of Africa for a businessman. See, any time knowledge makes a demand on you, don't let it go. You know what you will do? You will fight until you obey it. Don't try and rationalize away scripture. Use your energy that God has given you to pray until you walk in obedience. On Saturday, on Tuesday, we're preaching about meditation. What is meditation? You sow the word of God into your life constantly. If it says there's one body, declare it every day. Every time you see a new understanding, there's no tribe, no nations, and none of that in Christ Jesus anymore. All are one. All are one. All are one. You see, one of the things Satan tries to do is to t- stereotype people for you. Like now, most of us in Eastern, not only Eastern Nigeria, Southern Nigeria generally, if you hear the name Fulani, you are thinking of only one thing. A gun-carrying headsman who wants to shoot a farmer. So one day you see one very handsome brother. Say, ah, that brother is very handsome. Oh, nice looking bro. So it's Fulani. Ah! <laughs> then suddenly, all his finest just changes in your eye. If you see him, say, you can see the wickedness in his eyes. <laughs> You that was calling him my handsome yesterday is Satan. Satan is called a stronghold. It's called a stronghold. It's called a stronghold. That's why I would like to share a video, but I have to take permission. All right? One day I saw a video of Fulani men somewhere in northern Nigeria who made a hut. And they were riding on, arriving on motorbikes, entering inside the you know, shed, not the hut. Now, what do you call that thing? A straw hut. Uh, yeah, but a big one, like a hall made of straw. See them arriving, some of them with this um, Chadian, Toban, and all of that, entering the place. And they were singing praises to God in full, full day. They were Christians. If you see, the, I mean, you know the way Toban arriving, different places, you enter the place, you see men, women, children, all of them full and. Oh, Fufu Day is Fulani language. Okay, people didn't get when I say Fufu Day. Yeah, that's, their, that's what their language is called. Fufu Day, Furantachi. That's what they call the language, all right? They were sinking in full day. When I got the video, I said, hey, I wish Southerners would see this and know that the only thing you have to them is not this headsman, gun, AK-47, killing farmers, over. No. Because these are things that must be broken for the power of the devil to be broken. These strongholds, yes, they must be broken. I tell the story all the time about the... Israel was with me that day. No, you know, you were not there. You were there the second time. It was me, Apostle, you were there. Were you there? I know Yinka was there. The man that came to beg us for money. Yeah, he was there. And as he was asking the God that could give him money, that needed to pay to free his wife and children. Oh. Telling the story is quite. Yeah, it's very emotional. He ran away from persecution. Um, Apostle, I think he, he removed his shirt for us to see his back. Yeah. As way, I was just looking. This guy was carrying a, a book. I said, what is that? It was a Bible. He said, it's my weapon. That's what he said. He said, it's my weapon. I looked at your weapon. Because I had given a testimony of Jesus Christ. Which is ta 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 English. He didn't know we're Christians, though. 
We didn't know we were believers. We just came down from Bible study. The next time he came was when he met Israel and I. He just said, if I found us that day, I don't even know. Because he came up, the first time he saw we beside the road. He just needed 3,000 naira to free his family because he took one of these trucks to come from the north. I think it was coming from Zibauchi or somewhere. I've forgotten which part of the north he came. They advised him to go to the south to flee persecution. Somebody advised him, look, they're going to kill you here. Because he was a Muslim. Revelation of Christ came to him directly. So they advised him, go down to the south so that they don't kill you here. He didn't have anything. So he entered one of these trucks with a promise that he would pay when he gets here. They now got to Enugu. He had no way, of course, he didn't have anything. So he just went to the street to come and beg somebody. So he just saw us gathered. He said, please, can I have some money? What is it for? He said, please, my wife and my children, they are with the people who transported us down. I need to pay them. One tertiary amount of money that if I, if I carry my wife to go and buy shawarma, it has finished. So we gave it to him. He left. That's why I was giving that testimony. Because he carried that Bible, one tattered Bible like this. He says it's his weapon. He read it all the time. It's a full animal. Typical headsman when you see him. He wasn't pretend. Did you know us from somewhere? Next time he came back, I was upstairs. He said I went to the office upstairs. So I just heard this guy talking to somebody. I, I thought I, that voice sounded funny. So I came out and said, what's that? So I, he, he remembered me. So he then said whether we could get, give him money again. That he wants to buy shoe polish. He wants to go around polishing shoes. So he said, and I gave him money. So let's, don't let's say, you know, please, I'm, I'm not here to preach politics, eh? but please, don't let anybody carry you into anything that divides people. Don't. These politicians, don't follow them. They don't care about you. They only care about grabbing power one way or the other. That's what they do. Don't let me start analyzing anybody for you now. That's what they do. Don't let them. Your own, eh? Just follow the Lord. He will lead you. He will, he will know where to correct you. But you feel like that one body spirit. I mean, Apostle, the one that, that thing you say, can I repeat it? Or I should just keep it down. The one, one man said that, don't follow these people, look. A preacher, if I tell you his name, you will fall down from where you are sitting down. He's a guest minister somewhere. Another preacher, okay, let's just say it. He's from, you know, this, our part of the country. They brought another preacher from the West. So they were now greeting each other. He whispered to his brother in Igbo, don't follow these Yoruba people. And they're all preachers. They were all seated on high table. They are, don't follow them. They know how to help each other. Let's help ourselves, though. See, I know people that God will destroy, they don't repent. You can't continue like that and God will take it easy with you. Yes, of course, I go to Sokoto once in a while. The one day I, I went to, I was a PFN uh, guest. They were doing a program, PFN, Sokoto. And they came to welcome me later. Their secretary that time, you could see his, you know, that long, full of nose and his, his yellow face. He said, ah, so and so person. Let me not mention his name online. It's our PFN, this thing. He was born up a, brought up a Muslim. Again, he encountered Christ. Finally, of course, they were going to end him. So he managed to run away. Got to a group of Christians, took him, educated him until he became a minister. See, let me just warn anybody listening to this. If you participate in this nonsense division of the body of Christ, the thing that he will do to you, you won't like yourself. The thing he will do to you, you will not like yourself. Look, let's end this thing this morning here. Eh? And that's the fact that knowledge makes a demand. Please fight, strive to obey the demand of knowledge. 
as you increase, as you grow in grace, knowledge makes a demand. It makes a demand on you concerning how you live your life. Strive. Strive to fulfill the manifestation of that in your everyday work. Because you keep on praying. It's not by your strength, but you say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I accept. Then you pray. And then that word becomes flesh in your everyday activity. Then God gives you another revelation. Each time he opens your eyes, is what you can see, you can ask him for. I hope I get my point. Hope drives you to prayer. From the place of prayer, you say, Lord, do this. He said, this also, I will let the children of Israel ask me to do for them. So anytime God reveals, he's saying, ask me to do this. He's going to expand you. See, let me end with the way I started. Your salvation is not in running to Egypt. They say, we'll flee on horses. God said, therefore, you will flee. See, if he's answering that, if I don't leave this country, I can't prosper. God said, as I leave, you will never prosper if you stay here. He said, therefore, I will go abroad. You don't know. God com- comes in two different angles. Another part of him has gone to the embassy. I will never give you a visa. Let me tell you what God. Sometimes when I del- That's why they have to shout, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. You know why? When God finishes talking to them, sometimes they think there are seven of them. One God comes to you and says, As you have said in my hearing, so I will do to you. You will never prosper in this land. So he says, Thank you, so I have to leave this land. Another God, the same God who comes to meet you at the boundary, says, You will never leave this land. He said, But God, you said. He said, I know what I said. The other one I said had a reason. The one I'm saying here has a reason. I'm not saying because I said the other one, this one must not happen. No. No, that's why he called Moses. There was a reason. He wanted to kill the man he just called. There was a reason. Why did he call Moses? That was a destiny for the family. That was a plan he had. From Egypt, I have called my son. After a while, I'm going to get my son out of Egypt. Who am I sending? Call his father, call his mother. Yeah. Take this boy up for me. They did. Train him for me. A promise fulfilled. Now, to walk with God, Moses, circumcise your son. His wife said, Lila, it will pain the boy. Because Moses, that's the way you like it. The judgment for this is death. So God came to kill Moses. So, but he just called him. Yeah, he's still killing him. That's why they had to shout, Here, O Israel, the same God that's calling you and killing you. Because otherwise, <laughs> they would have thought they were two different gods. So you have to obey him every step of the way. That's the point I'm making. If you come and say that hey, I cannot prosper in this, this country, you can never prosper. A young person can never. have kept on telling you several times. Listen, you are not a piece of figure. You are not a figure. You are a person. God knows you personally. He knows you personally. And he has a plan. That's why you should be activating. This is activated by faith. Faith is provoked by knowledge. Now I've said it. I said, Father God, I've heard it. I believe it. Help me to walk by it. Because some have said this again and again. This is a useless, you know? Have you heard people say Nigeria is a zoo? If you utter it, God says, I will turn you to an animal. That's a prophetic word. You will eat grass, you won't believe it. Just say, Lord, wherever you have kept me, I entreat the Lord for that place. You don't have to believe in geographical entities. Just say, Lord, where am I right now? This is where I am. I'm begging you. Because as of today, any law made in Abuja covers me. Okay, did you start buying your fuel at 185 now? 
just because you think it's a zoo. Call it anything you like. Whatever they say prizes is what you will pay. I hope you're getting my point. So come and be reasonable. Get on your knees and pray. For, in fact, you, know, you, you should know when to be selfish. What do I mean? Pray for the country so you can relax. So you can prosper. Don't utter things that will make God say to you as I live, you will never prosper in this land. Many people have done it. Some of them say, God said, no, I will let you pass. You open the door. Where do you want to go? Which country? As you enter there. Say all the evil seed you sowed in the zoo is waiting for you in the jungle. But animal, you will remain. Have you ever released a monkey from the zoo? He now enters the jungle, becomes a lion. Baboon is a baboon. Wherever you keep him, he's a baboon. In the zoo, at least, somebody brings food. In the jungle, sometimes they hunger. When fire starts burning, nobody's going to rescue you. There's no, there's no fireman to rescue animal, any animal from there. You are on your own. Don't do things that will make God speak words against you. You know I've been saying it. Some of you sit in your house and say, women cannot be trusted. Jezebel, the full ground. God has abundance to give you. If you keep on prophesying, women cannot be trusted. Did you hear what I said? Stop talking nonsense. Tell your neighbor, warn yourself. Say good things. So. Let your words be good when they come to pass. Do you get what I mean by that? If everything you are saying happens, let it be a good thing to you. Give the Lord thanks this morning. Say, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Say, Lord, I commit myself to the demands of knowledge. I commit myself to the demands of knowledge. I commit myself to fulfilling all the demands that knowledge will bring my way. I will not run away from understanding because I don't like the demands. I open my heart. Say, Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me walk in a manner worthy of you. To please you in all respects. To bear fruit in every good work. And to increase in the knowledge of God. Say, Lord, I receive it by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. I want to just take that declaration. We'll stop before we say now again. I hope you're getting my point. Because God has heard us and we have been provoked to love to know more about him. We declare as follows. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death, and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, bless three people around you. Say to them, this is your season. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God in the name of Jesus. Two more to go. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God 
the last person. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. The last one for yourself. This is my season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. All right, Cheryl brethren, as you are going, safety is going with you. Divine presence is surrounding you. This week, no evil will befall you. And no play will come near your dwelling place. So those boys that are shooting, eh? all their bullets dissolve because of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. As you travel, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you.